it is very quiet. Jacob, you think the music's too soft? Mm, I don't think it's too soft. I think it's just fine. However, be on the lookout. I'll tell you. Kito, fetch me my nunchucks. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, such oh, a God. cool dude, man. That Clouseau, can you dig it? Yeah. I did. I can't hear what you're saying. Really? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> if you can't tell, yeah. this episode of Back in Tunes will be discussing... Pink Panther cartoons. Oh, what's that? It's a crossover with Video Night, our other podcast where we discuss movies. What? So, everybody, me and Jacob are going to be discussing every single entry in the movie series. Uh, kind of quickly, though, because there's a lot in the series. But also the animation, the, the, the shorts, and the, and the TV shows. So, Jacob, where would you like to start off with? You swine? I do wish to start at the very beginning of the first Pink Panther movie. No? That, that seems like a good spot. I don't know why I offered. It seems like such a stupid thing to do. Where would you like to start? Yeah, let's start off with the worst one, Son of the Pink Panther, and let's just go from there. Let's just wing it. That oh. is what we must do. After all, Keto, we save the best for last, no? <laughs> the the, the best for last? Are you sure? No, no, no. Let's fuck it. Let's start from the beginning. We'll just briefly mention the shitty one. Dude, I can't hear you at all. Where is your microphone? Oh, hold on. I found it. <laughs> you swine. I just love it when he says you swine. You swine. <laughs> that is not my dog. <laughs> I thought you said your dog couldn't bite. <laughs> that is not my dog. <laughs> okay, so oh, man. we're all over the place here. This is ridiculous. Uh, let's, uh, let's start off with Pink Panther. Now, here's the weird thing is, most people um, seem to have forgotten that Peter Sellers is not actually the main star or the main character of the first Pink Panther. It's David Niven. Uh, Inspector Clouseau is more like an adversary, like a supporting role. Right, yeah, I know. That's what I kind of discovered after watching the original Pink Panther. It, that's a, uh, I mean, I, because I grew up like watching like, you know, the 90s cartoon, you know, the old theme song, playing the uh, video game on Super Nintendo. And then, of course, eventually watching some of the classics first, like, you know, the second Pink Panther film. <clears throat> but, yeah, no, going back and rewatching the old one, I was like, whoa, this threw me off. I was like, there, Clouseau was barely even there. Yeah, and he's completely Indeed. different in those first two movies. Watching this and Shot in the Dark, it's amazing that they had two movies uh, in 1964. They shot Shot in the Dark so fast as a follow-up to Pink Panther. That's insane. Yeah, no, that one kind of threw me off. Well, here's the thing. is um, You may not know. You're not as experienced with the franchise as I am. Um, I'm kind of obsessed with the series. Shot in the Dark was actually a different play. Um, Blake Edwards optioned the rights, and then he just rewrote it to fit Inspector Clouseau. I said the word wrong. Inspector Clouseau into the script. That's how he was able to do it so fast. Uh-huh. But still, two movies in one year. I mean, I think that was done one at a time, and that was Breaking and Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo. Oh, uh-huh. that is quite a convincing plot, no? There was a clip I was going to play of the Pink Panther, and I forgot that it's mostly a visual, a visual thing for Pink Panther. So we're just going to listen to it in the background for a second while we talk. Oh, damn you, Mako! Panther! 
I love the fight scenes. They're so crazy. And it was start with a shot in the dark. I'm pretty sure it's not in Pink Panther. Um, <laughs> wait for it. There is some mild racism in these movies. I'm starting to think that Blake Edwards had a problem with Asians because before that he did um, the Pink Panther series, he did Breakfast at Tiffany's, and that's pretty infamous on how racist that is. Mickey Rooney, woo! Oh, good God. God, yes, that was a whitewash start. That was horrible. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I love Mickey Rooney, but God, that was... But then again, it was the 60s, but that doesn't mean it was okay. <laughs> Alright, so Shot in the Dark and Pink Panther are both pretty sizable hits and we kind of launch um, United Artists into this direction where they have these crazy, wild, wacky comedies with a huge cast. Uh, then it would disappear for a while because this was so massive that Peter Sellers started getting huge offers and did some decent stuff. What's New Pussycat's a lot of fun. Uh, the Strange World, or the Weird World of Henry Orange. Um, the Party, and stuff up. like that. You know, there's some stuff that is pretty good. And so, he was not going to do another Pink Panther movie. Uh, so, Inspector Clouseau in 1968 is starring Alan Arkin. We all love Alan Arkin, but Alan Arkin is just not fit for Inspector Clouseau. No, he wasn't. I'm like, what the hell was this? This isn't even Clouseau to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I love you, Alan Arkin. Please don't kill me. <laughs> now you're yelling into the microphone. What is going on? over there, man. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping Alan, I just want to make sure Alan Arkin hears me. He might be hard of hearing, but he might still be able to kill me. <laughs> okay. So, but between those movies is when they launched the animated series. Uh, DePaggi and Freeling, and then Freeling had become free from the Warner Brothers contract, so uh, he started his own company and got the Pink Panther license to do the animated shorts. Now, you've seen some of the animated shorts, correct? Yes, I did. Oh, my God. I thought the humor was just so spot on and so, like, you know, it's something adults could even enjoy themselves. I thought it was very clever and witty, especially with the fortune-telling weight machine. <laughs> There's a lot of really great gags in the first couple years, and then it started to fade away. And the animated series went on for a very long time. I think it went from 1966 to 1980. Um and I got to tell you, I watched every single one of them, and that last couple of discs was like, oh, my God, you're just doing this to fulfill a contract. These aren't good. <laughs> Put some effort into this, man. you got to give it some soul. <laughs> yeah. Feed that shit. Stuff fucking turkey down its fucking throat. <laughs> what? Give it some flavor. Flavor. Savor the flavor. Flavor, flavor. Life saver. It's the flavor. Uh, Pink Panther cartoons, um, they would have a spinoff, which we'll do on another episode. Um, whereas, like, Ant and the Aardvark and Loop-de-Loop, -loop, I think Loop-de-Loop -loop was one of theirs. It could have been one of the last of the Warner Brothers ones. Um, Toad and the... This is the part where I fuck up the show because I can't remember anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. 1964 to 1980. Uh, a lot of this stuff was meant to pad for syndication. They would, they would put all these cartoons together and sell them to the smaller networks. And... Uh, I remember one of my fondest memories of... It's weird that this is a fond memory because it's so stupid. Um, I think I was in first grade and I was outside and I got wind in my ear. I got an earache and I found myself the next day bedridden where I stayed home and watched cartoons all day. And one of those cartoons that really triggered in my mind and stays with me to this day is watching Pink Panther and Friends for the first time. And like I said, it was not just Pink Panther. It was uh, Anthony the Aardvark, Tijuana Toads. That's it, Tijuana Toads. Which is seriously one of the worst cartoons ever, but we're still going to discuss it one day. Um, God, besides Tijuana's that, the, what's that? I said Tijuana's in the name. Tijuana's not that pretty of a place. <laughs> not really. 
Yeah, I think it was their version because, you know, um, Speedy Gonzales for Warner Brothers sold very, very well internationally. So I think that's what they were trying to do. Uh, Pink Panther show first aired in 1969. That means by that time they had a lot more um, shorts that they could combine into an episode. And, and there's also The Inspector, which I enjoyed, but there was times when it was crazy racist too. Um, you know, it's just um, basically uh, Pink Panther and Inspector Clouseau were no longer connected and they had their own universe. And Pink Panther oh, wow. never spoke during those original shorts. It wasn't until later that he started talking, and I really have no problem with it. It's not the way it was with, like, Tom and Jerry were like, why are they saying words? This makes no sense. No, they need it. There's, there's no mystery to them now. We know who they are. I mean, God, can you imagine if, you know, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Ryan Gosling had more lines in Drive? Yeah, if he was really chatty, like Bruce would... Willis and Die Hard. It's like, nah, this is ruining it. No, God, no. That would fuck it all up. That would, just, <laughs> that would destroy the movie. Jeez. All right, so I finally had the list. Um, it was Pink Panther, The Inspector, Anthony Aardvark, Tijuana Toads, which later got turned into Texas Toads, not to be offensive, and Mr. Jaw. Um, oddly enough, when it was in syndication, these uh, cartoons were not included, even though in a lot of people's minds they're, they're, they're part of that Pink Panther family. Uh, Hoot Clute, Roland and Ratfink, The Blue Racer, which I, never, I don't remember any of these. Uh, Crazy Legs Crane, I remember Crazy Legs Crane, and The Dog Father, which that has to be terrible. I don't think I've ever seen it, but that's got to be shit. It sounds terrible. <laughs> it sounds very, very simple and boring. Yeah. Bland. I'm looking at the very scene bland. Here. The Panthermobile appeared during the 1969-1970 season, but it's a, it's a, someone must have made a kit version of an animated car, which looks swiggity sweet. Look up the Panthermobile, and that is one choice. Ride. It looks like out of a James Bond movie. Hmm, I'll have to look it up soon. Um, Maybe. So, while the animated series is going all the shorts, we're still being put in theaters, uh, we had to wait for, um, basically, Peter Sellers' career to die. Um, you know, he had bomb after bomb <laughs> after bomb in order to get him back for, uh, you know, the, what is it, the return of the Pink Panther is the first of the series. And, this, and here's the weird thing is, the Pink Panther movies seem to go on forever and ever and ever. But, very few of them actually had anything to do with the actual Pink Panther, you know, the diamond. And uh, Returned has it, uh, and the rest of them I don't believe do, uh, except for the remakes with Steve Martin. Oh, gosh, yeah, you're right. Oh, my, honestly, the remakes with Steve Martin, I I enjoyed. The, I really enjoyed the first one. The second one I thought dragged at some points, but I still thought it was pretty funny. I thought the second one was infinitely better than the first one. The first one is just painful. Kevin Klein doesn't look like he wants to be there at all, but let's not talk about that yet. Um, so, <laughs> Got it. Uh, and Spectre Clouseau was a bomb. So therefore they couldn't call it the re, you know the adventures of Inspector Clouseau. They had to stay with the Pink Panther name, which doesn't make sense after a while. Yeah, cuz after a while he's fighting mobsters and he's doing international spy stuff and it the series when it, when he came back after all that time is when his accent just went crazy. You know, because in the first two, it's just kind of light French, you know, just a little bit French. And all of a sudden, it turns into, you know, this mangled, like, what is he saying? <laughs> a stereotypical, you know, French accent that whenever you make fun of them, kind of. Yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous French. And um, this, I don't know if this will be purely visual, but this is one of my favorite clips uh, from his final, technically final Pink Panther movie, um, The Trail of the Pink Panther. But this is uh, some of his funniest stuff. Okay, a lot of it's visual. My favorite gag right here. He just smacks himself right in the eye with the baton. I will apprehend this carpet within 24 hours. Ah! Now 
Did Green Hornet come out first, or was that later? Uh, Green Hornet came out um, right when the third one with Alan Arkin came out. So, Shot in the Dark, it was already in the can where they introduced Kato. Um, not really much. I don't think he's part of uh, Inspector Clouseau very much. It was after this when he became crucial to the series. Right. No, because I, I just like he just hires Kato just to you know <laughs> prepare himself for any kind of danger. <laughs> Yeah. Keep keep his mind sharp. Hey, guess what, everybody? <laughs> I just figured out what the sound problem is. It has nothing to do with Jacob. It has to do with me being an unprepared jackass. I forgot to turn the speaker up. <laughs> ah! Michael, you have failed me again. <laughs> huh? uh, I am so sorry, Mr. Wolpert. It's okay. Well, it wasn't easy, but I will get over it. Oh, here it is. Well, let me rewind it. That's my favorite scene. I thought you said your dog did not bite. That is not my dog. <laughs> Excuse me, can I do it to the Paris Hotel? One of my favorite scenes in these movies is what would, ha- what would pop into the next movie, Revenge of the Pink Panther. Um, is when he would go into the costumer, the Harvey Corman-run uh, costume shop. It is a bonkers scene, and you get to see more of it. A lot of it was cut out for this movie and reused later in uh, The Trail of the Pink Panther. And Harvey Corman just perfect for this kind of movie. Uh, then there's The Pink Panther Strikes Again. I almost have no idea what the plot is. I can't remember because I get, I get returns, uh, revenge, and strikes again intertwined because they were so, so close together. And uh, I feel like they all become one movie to me. It's like Lord of the Rings, but with you know slapstick. Pretty much, yeah. Now, and of course, well, they are looking for a jewel. Well, they are, you know, it does involve, you know, you know, a very important piece of jewelry. So yeah. Well, I think one of them, Professor, not Professor Dreyfus, uh, uh, Inspector Dreyfus. He, um, you know, he becomes his supervisor and basically is so stressed out that he goes insane, gets his little eye twitch going and. And he just can't stop thinking about killing Clouseau. So that becomes a big part of it. And then he kind of erases <laughs> it for a while. Like, he gets better and he doesn't want to do it anymore. But he's a very funny character. Um, around this time is when Peter Sellers started having serious heart problems. So you do notice in the last couple Pink Panther movies that he's not in a whole hell of a lot of it. A lot of it is his stuntman. And it's, 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 it's a little distracting. I feel like it kind of gets in the way. And 
you know, by the time 1980 rolls around, he's done being there, which is actually his masterpiece. As much as I love the Pink Panther movies, being there is absolute best role ever. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. No, I don't think I've seen being there. I'll have to look it up. It's, I, I can't Might remember be able to exactly. I feel like he had a mental breakdown as a child, and the only way he can communicate is by reciting lines from commercials and TV shows. So he's just regurgitating pop culture, which oddly enough is prophetic to the way people talk now. We all talk in pop culture. Um, I don't know how many times I drop lines when I'm talking to people from a movie and seeing if they get the obscure line. Uh, and Shirley MacLaine is desperate to connect to him. It's it's an Academy Award nominated movie, and it was his final full on performance. Uh, he oh, would, wow. he would die um, later in 1980 or 81, um, but there was still some film footage that was never used um, for Trail of the Pink Panther. Now, some people might say that Blake Edwards was um, a leech by trying to profit off of the memory of Peter Sellers, especially since it's kind of well known that even though they made so many movies together, they argued constantly. They were they they, uh, they had a really difficult partnership. And um, so he used a lot of footage that was cut from some of the previous Pink Panther movies and assembled a movie where a reporter is trying to find Inspector Clouseau. She thinks that he's been murdered by mobsters. So it's a whole kind of reflection movie. So you see a lot of clips from the past. And for some reason, mm. it's my favorite, Jan uh, I almost said James Bond. Uh, for some reason, James Bond and Pink Panther, in my mind, go together because it's about like this international story. They're both from United Artists. Roger Moore is, in fact, in one of the Pink Panthers. <laughs> I don't know. Um, at the end of Trail, the Cur I can't remember if it's Curse or Trail, uh, they finally find Inspector Clouseau, and he's had plastic surgery so he can hide from his enemies, and it's Roger Moore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. What better way to you know disguise yourself as James Bond? Yeah, this buffoon when... is the classiest man in the country. You know, I mean, he was debonair. You know, even though I think his James Bonds are kind of ridiculous. Yeah, they are. He did it way too. He, I think, played James Bond the most. But the best one I'd have to say would personally be between Sean Connery and uh, Daniel Craig. Uh, yeah, I got a soft spot for a lot of them. Um, I like Timothy Dalton's version, even though he got to do two movies. Um. On Her Majesty's Secret Service is fantastic. It's one of the best James Bonds ever, but George Lazenby yes. is just adequate. It's more about the movie than the guy playing James Bond. Um, and Pierce Brosnan, no slouch, especially in that first one. GoldenEye is a fantastic movie. After that, it got caught up in the whole Roger Moore style. Too many gadgets, too silly, uh, terrible actresses who are incredibly hot. Playing scientists was stupid. Cause I didn't believe it for one second. Oh, yeah, especially, the, especially maybe... Denise Richards. But I love, dude, honestly, the world is not enough with uh, Robert Carlyle as the villain. Oh, he was a great villain. Really? I thought that was a he shitty, was... I thought that was a waste of his talent. But we should do a James Bond one sometime. But back to Pink Panther. Uh, so yes. after they did the basically the homage to Peter Sellers for a movie, which did okay, um, eight months later they released Curse of the Pink Panther. Peter Sellers, or not Peter Sellers, Blake Edwards was really intelligent by shooting both movies together to save money. And he paid out of his own pocket. So uh, this time oh, he wow. decides to spin it off. They want to get the worst cop in New York, the most uh, incompetent buffoon, to try to find Peter Sellers. Because they figured one buffoon will find another buffoon. And it's Ted Watts, <laughs> who was the dad on Blossom, who uh, was in Soap. And he's a great, a great director. He's known for doing a lot of great sitcoms. Um, it's actually a pretty good sequel, except it got released, I think, against um, Return of the Jedi. And just got murdered oh, instantly. Yeah, it got like $2 million at the box office. Um, 
it was the end of the franchise, so they went and did Pink Panther and Sons. Now, have you got to see any of the Pink Panther and Sons? No. Thank God, because it's the worst piece of shit ever. It was on, I watched it as a kid, I liked it as a kid. Pink Panther has a bunch of kids, and it's mostly about them. And it sucks. It looks terrible, it is terrible. So, I saved, I pretty much saved, like, you know, a couple hours of my life from watching that crap. Yeah, well, it's almost and impossible to find. my vision and my sanity. Yeah, there's only like one or two episodes up on Daily Motion, so if you're interested, go watch it. They look terrible. Um, <laughs> and then in 1993, Blake Edwards, nearing retirement, I think he was about 80 at this time, decides to relaunch the Pink Panther series with Roberto Benigni for the worst Pink Panther movie ever. So uh, unfunny. I mean, okay, especially uh, and with Roberto Benigni involved, you'd think he'd be, you know, golden, but no. No, his- shit. His sense of humor is completely different than Blake Edwards' kind of humor. You know, him and Peter Sellers were on the same page. Ted Wass was on the same page on how to approach comedy. Roberto Benigni had something totally different, and the whole time it just suffered. It falls apart. He's supposed to be uh, the son of Peter Sellers, and his mother is Claudia Cardinal, who was his wife in the first piece. Oh, wow. Yeah, so call comes back around. Someone, right? What's that? Who was in love with uh, Robert Wagner, right? That was her name? I, I believe so. Um, yeah, it's, it's, wow, it's so bad. And, um, around this time, though, MGM said, well, Pink Panther interest might be up, even though this movie made, like, a million dollars. Uh, so they decided to relaunch Pink Panther as an animated series with Matt Frewer, one of my favorite cult actors of all time, voicing Panther. I love this cartoon. It was on for three years. It is fantastic. The humor and the look goes back to the original animated shorts, you know, kind of a retro mod look. And um, if you don't know who Matt Frewer is, he was Max Headroom. Uh, he's one of the dads in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Um, Doctor Doctor was a great teacher. There's also Lawnmower 2. Yeah, Lawnmower Man 2. The Stand. Momsy Mom! Momsy Mom! And, of course, uh, Senior Trip, National Lampoon Senior Trip. Senior he was the principal. Trip. That's right. I totally forgot about that. That's a great flick. Um, you know who else was in that? What? Jeremy Renner. Hawkeye. First movie ever. Jeremy Renner. Great oh, my movie. God. Um, so with this, uh, Freeling and DePatty had gotten out of the business. They had sold the company to Marvel, so MGM stepped in. With Charles Grosvenor uh, being one of the main guides on this, I want to say he opened his own company. Uh, what, what did he do? Um, oh, he did a bunch of animation. So he did Yogi's Treasure Hunt, Popeye and Son, Fantastic Max, Animaniacs, Beavis and Butthead, Land Before Time TV series, Bob the Builder. Yes, we can! <laughs> okay. Fantastic Max. Dirty diapers! I, I remember that shit. Yeah, I've never seen that show. Uh, and he did the the GoBots movie, which, um, yeah, go check that one out yeah, if you dare. <laughs> At the risk of your immortal soul, you will watch this movie. Um, John Biner, who is very well known for doing the voice of the ant in the aardvark. Um, you know, talking like, um, oh, what's the guy in Caddyshack 2? Uh, the... Uh, uh, main actor. Yeah, you know, he's comedian. Little, what is he here? Comedian. Uh, uh, he's you know, the jerk. Oh, yeah, he's in the Jackie Mason. Um, he would do a Jackie Mason kind of voice for Andy Arbark. He is also in this new Pink Panther. Uh, Dan Castellaneta. Uh, if you don't know who that is, stop listening to the show right now because you are not an animation fan. <laughs> I know. Exactly. I mean, should, should we reveal who that is? Who Dan Castellaneta Go is? Go ahead. Do it. It's Homer Simpson, you bastards. <laughs> and uh, Earthworm Jim. Oh, yeah. Go- oh, God. I love when he just yells out, eat dirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Jess Harnell from Animaniacs, who did uh, 
You know, he did the uh, Yako Yako. Wait, which one's Wako Yako? It was Wako, Steve. The one who sounds like he's from Liverpool. Yes, Yako. That uh, one, that one, that's the one he is. Joe Piscopo? No, it's Joe Piscopo, who was supposed to be the biggest thing in comedy, except Eddie Murphy came in six months later and wiped the floor with him. So Joe uh, Pis- <laughs> Joe Piscopo ended up being like just like a supporting role in a lot of movies. Sadly, yes. And, but still, Joe Piscopo had like great comedic talent. If it weren't for him and Eddie Murphy, then Saturday Night Live would bomb. Totally would be dead. I mean, not to deny like Mary Gross and some of the other guys, but yeah, they're the ones who saved the show. Also, we have Charles Nelson Riley, who was uh, basically like one of those you know very flamboyant comedians throughout the sixties and seventies. If you watched any game show with like you know celebrities, he was definitely in that. Like the Match Game was his thing. <laughs> oh yes, indeed he was. <laughs> And then we have Wallace Shawn. Now, a lot of people may not know who Wallace Shawn is, but if you've seen Princess Bride, inconceivable. Inconceivable. <laughs> yeah, Wallace. He was also the he was he was also a writer, and he was also the voice of Rex in Toy Story. That's right. Which everyone has seen. Yeah. Everybody. And then he was also in um oh god Parent Trap. I think where they uh where it's uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Pollock and they're locked in the basement no, by their kids. No, it's not Parent Trap. It's um. Well, it sounds like Parent Trap. Yeah, Parent Trap's the one with the, the, one with the twins. The, the Lindsay House Lowe. Arrest. House Arrest, thank you. Uh, yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. He's one of those great characters. I'm not sure who I know Kath Soshi. I don't know who that is. Uh, let me look her up. Kath Soshi. Oh, gosh. She's the voice of almost every child in uh, every cartoon. She's always the little daughter or the baby. She's, I mean, just recently I watched her. Uh, uh, she was the voice of Cyan in Spawn, the animated series. It says her first thing ever was the Rambo Force of Freedom animated series. So was she Rambina, <laughs> Rambo's daughter? <laughs> <laughs> what? Rambina, get over here. Put down. Put hey, down. Rambina, come on. Give your dad a hug. <laughs> what the fuck? Fight the good fight. And clean out your diapers. <laughs> hey, I taught you how to use that knife. Use it correctly. All right. And finally, we have Joanne Joanne Worley from Laughing and a bunch of other stuff at this time. Um, Joanne Worley. Oh, she used to be married to Val Kilmer. She was in Willow. She no, played Sorsha. No, no, no. That's Joanne Whaley. This is Joanne Worley. Oh, okay. Well, damn it. You mispronounced it wrong. Yeah. Well, you have you have let me mackerel. You mispronounced <laughs> it, you bumbling oof. Apparently, you've never seen Laughing. She was a major part of that show. Uh, uh, after this, we got, like we were saying, the Steve Martin pink panther movies now i i appreciate both of them um there's a lot of frustration that first one though because you can see kevin Kleist not happy and jean renault does not even belong i don't know why they chose him he doesn't fit at all and i feel like he's just embarrassing himself no it's like he's not really a comedy guy not really i mean he's been funny but dryly funny not like the slapsticky gag I wonder if he just did it because he was a huge Pink Panther fan or the huge paycheck. I don't know why he did it, but um, I'm sorry, but I just hit the mic. Oops. Um, it's the second one when they bring in the team with Alfred Molina and, and uh, Andy Garcia and some of the other ones that it gets more entertaining. I think it works better, which is weird because usually uh, Inspector Clouseau is a lone hero because that's how he's such a screw-up. But this time he has a team, and somehow it just it works. I know, and you got some. Like, I thought you had some like wonderful actors too. I mean, I love Alfred Molina. And, you know, Andy Garcia. And who was the other actor? I know he was uh, from Japan. He was the detective from Japan. I keep forgetting. I don't remember now. I'll look it up. Um, so, since the first Steve Martin Pink Panther, was, it was a massive hit. Internationally, very, very well. So, they relaunched the cartoon. 
Um, it only lasted for like six months. I've never seen a single episode of it. It's called Pink Panther and Friends, or no, sorry, Pink Panther and Pals, and I've never seen it, and I need to go find it. Has anybody seen this? Let me know if it's any good. Jacob, have you seen it? Oh? No, I haven't. Yeah. What about you guys? Oh, <laughs> what about you? I seen shit, God damn it. <laughs> Shut up. Okay. Um, John Biner does return <laughs> for this one, but we also have Kel Mitchell. Um, of course, we know him from Saturday Night Live. Keenan and Kel. Basically the glue. Has there any been any, I don't know anybody who's been on Saturday Night Live longer and been such a lead. Like, you got some guys like, um, um, shit, who's the one running for office? He's the one who left Saturday Night Live and is doing politics stuff. He was at the convention. Al Franken. Al Franken. You know, he was on the show forever, but for the most part, he was just a writer and would just do little bits. You know, um, Kel Mitchell. Wait, am I saying the wrong wrong? I've seen the wrong person. I meant Keenan Thompson. Thompson. I'm an idiot. Kel Mitchell. Um, but they did get on all that, and uh, yeah, and Good Burger. Well, now I sound like a racist because now it makes me think that all black people look alike. Yeah, it's not that. It's that I'm an idiot and I forgot. Uh, Keenan Thompson has a completely different facial structure, and he's and he's sphere. I know. So it's it's a ridiculous argument to make. I just forgot because of Good Burger. Um, well, let's just say Kel Mitchell was in uh, History Man. Yes, that's what he was on. <laughs> it's like, hey, Dad, I'm going into the, the, I'm going to my room with four strange guys. <laughs> okay, what? He's <laughs> like, he doesn't give a shit. He's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so I have not seen Pink Panther and Pals. I'm looking at it. It looks like cheap Flash animation. It looks like sh- and I don't want to watch it. But I might try I, eventually just out of curiosity. No, I remember uh, my, my dad and I, we rented the uh, first movie. I mean, it was like the last copy they've had. I mean, my dad likes Pink Panther. You know, we grew up watching the cartoons. But um, all of a sudden... <laughs> Uh, the one scene that really got me when he's trying to say hamburger, I would like to buy a oh, hamburger. Yeah, everybody loves that scene. I would like to buy a damn girl. <laughs> and he starts crying at the end of it because he can't pronounce it. Uh, I, overall, like I said, I mean, the slapstick was there. Although, remember that Eddie being a cr- huge critic that he is, it's just like, you know, he hates how they overdo the accent because it's making fun of the French. Yeah, well, just lighten up. <laughs> But, you know, sometimes... So, I mean, Clouseau does not represent all of the French. No, he's okay. just one idiot. And Peter Sellers, the reason the accent changed is because Peter Sellers, um, right before production started, he goes, you know, I ran into this gentleman whose accent was so ridiculous, so indescribable, that I have to do it. I have to do it. And, he, and uh, Blake Edwards is like, all right, well, let me see what it's like. And he goes, oh, you have to do that. It doesn't matter if it's not in continuity. The accent will completely change. It doesn't matter. It's hilarious. Besides, I was only a supporting character in the first movie. I wasn't really... <laughs> Then I got to be the main character in the next one, and I got Keto. And then that shit really hit the wall. It was hilarious. <laughs> that is ridiculous, people. Jacob is, oh, God, if I didn't do this show with you, I don't, I don't think I'd want to keep doing it. I think we would have stopped at, like, issue or episode, like, 25. Merci, Michael, merci. That is so sweet of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you might notice that it's been actually a while since we did an episode we were supposed to do one like one every week but things happen uh summer we get busy poor internet uh i was at the electronics convention and uh you know and family things get in the way so we apologize everybody uh we're not going to be able to get to the other movie uh, cartoon connection stuff uh so by the time this episode airs it'll probably be right around the corner from october so we're going to do some more halloween stuff um like we do every year so um, I'm thinking maybe uh, the Raid Bradbury's Halloween Tree, which is a fantastic animated movie that most people don't know about. It is one of the best things that I think I've ever seen in animation. 
Um, it's uh, up on YouTube, so we'll discuss that. We're going to do Nightmare Before Christmas. We're going to do this. Yes. <laughs> I tell you, I will be so excited. Many bells are puckering already. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a French. Why do you think I have this outrageous accent, you silly king? <laughs> um, uh, other than that, we're not sure what else we'll do for Halloween. I think we might do the Extreme Ghostbusters and the original Ghostbusters. And uh, we're also going to do stuff. If you like video nights, we're going to be doing Halloween episodes. But there'll be one more episode to fit in, which is slightly Halloween-ish, right before October. Uh, me and Jacob are going to discuss Little Shop of Horrors and my all-time favorite movie, uh, The Three Amigos. Now, what's the connection? Steve Martin. What's the connection to this previous episode? Yeah. Steve Martin! And both movies are kind of musically oriented, so that's what we're going to do. Check us out on Facebook under Retro Rock Entertainment or Back in Tunes or Video Night. The choices are there. The choice is yours. Yes, and it's the choice of a new generation. <laughs> I'm sorry, I do not buy into They don't give a shit about that slogan anymore. <laughs> Yeah, but they don't give a shit about that slogan anymore. They don't care at this point. <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, be excellent to each other. Jacob, would you like a hamburger? I would like a hamburger, please. <laughs> Thank you. That was I would like a cheeseburger. Medium air with, green, with grilled onions and protein style, please. Well, Jacob got it right, but Steve Barnes struggled horribly. So let's listen to him as we head out. Yes, I'm going to America. I'm going to have to learn to speak with that flawless American accent so as not to arouse suspicion. <laughs> so find me the greatest accent coach in the world. I would like to buy a hamburger. I would like to buy a hamburger. <laughs> I would like to buy a hamburger. <laughs> I would like to buy a hamburger. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's break it down. I, I, would, 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 like, like, to, 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 buy, 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 a, hamburger, 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 I would like to buy a hamburger. I would like to buy the hamburger. Hamburger. <laughs> Maybe we should stop. We do not quit. We do not quit. Again, again. I would like to buy a hamburger. I would like to buy a hamburger. I would like to buy a hamburger. I would like to buy a burger. I would like to buy a hamburger. 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 The burger. <laughs> so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Jacob, send us out. Namaste and good luck. You're ready for ready for takeoff. <laughs> All right. Good night. I would like to buy a hamburger. <laughs> All right, burger. Burger. Damn burger. Burger. Welcome to Stumbling Towards Adulthood. I'm your host, Michael. My co-host, Tony. What's up, Tony? What's happening, man? 
This episode, we're discussing a little bit of vacation, a little bit of roaming around the world. That's why I'm playing this song. I tried to find a better song, and I was like, ah, shit, I can't find one. <laughs> I, the funny thing is, I thought I had one. I thought it was called Hey Traveler. For years, the song by Lucky Boy's Confusion, I thought it was called Hey Traveler, and I looked it up, it says Hey Driver. I'm like, oh, well, my life is meaningless now. There's a few other songs could have gone with, like yeah, I would have, you could have gone with like uh, what the Allman Brothers' Ramblin' Man. Yeah. Uh, I think Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Led Zeppelin have a song called Ramble On. Could have used oh, that one. Shit, I should have um, used that one. I'll end it with that one. All right. That's ah, all good. No worries. Yeah, this episode we're going to be discussing our little adventures uh, in our high school and college years, going around, uh, traveling. Uh, I mostly just stayed in this this country here, but I hit a lot of states. But you went overseas. I did, yeah. Uh, so uh, back in 96, uh, I did a semester abroad. I went to England, uh, London, uh, for like about four and a half months uh, for my uh, fall semester. How do you even get to do and that? I, I'm curious. Well, see, my college, uh, Temple University, offered, depending on what your major was, it offered different cities you can go to. So I think if you were a poli-sci major, you can go to Rome. Uh, if you were a, um, I can't remember what the other major was, you can go to Tokyo. And there was another city offered too. Um, I think you could have still gone to those cities. Uh, like, say, I went, I had my heart set on going to Rome, but I just would, everything would be elective. I wouldn't be able to take anything. Oh. But because my, but because my major was um, communications, the city offered was London, which would have been my first choice anyway. Is that what I speak science? French. I had no idea. I was just like, uh, yeah, po- 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 science. Science, uh, political science. Oh, okay. So that's. But my uh, my uh, major is communications, which was offered in in London, so um, which was awesome because that would be my first choice anyway. Yeah, and uh, yeah, never, it was. They would never give us that opportunity because I was a theater major, and the teachers would just laugh at you. I <laughs> just save your money; you're going to be broke forever. Well, you could make the same case if you're a communications major too, uh, unless you're going for like back. I think back then it just changed from film and media arts to broadcast and telecommunications. It's split in two. Yeah. So um, if I would have stayed at film and media arts, somebody could have made that case. You know, unless I moved to L.A. and like grovel and try to beg for a job. You're not going to be making doing anything in the city of Brotherly Shove. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so, but, yeah, London was fun. And it's like at, uh, it was a good time to go back in 96 uh, versus now. There's a lot of, like, anti-American sentiment there. Rightfully so. And I got a little bit of that back then, too. Really? I'm sure it's way worse. Yeah, people just would break my balls about, oh, you come over to America. Because they think, I re- like, the typical American traveler is, like, cocky and arrogant. And I, I'm not. I don't represent. But, you know, it's, you know, you have all these stereotypes. And they may have uh, had some run-ins with some other crude American tourists before. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, why do you guys that. call it this and that? It's supposed to be this. You know, it's like, uh, it's because it's a different country and we're older than you. So maybe, t- you know, change your wording to how we, you know, how they spell it with OUs and stuff like that or ends with you. Stuff like that. You know, right. it's, I think I've, heard, I've, I've actually heard people say that. I was like, that's how they spell it. That's how we spell it. Let it go. They use the old English, which would some would say even the correct English, you know, yeah. which is fine. I don't like, I'm not, I'm not there to break balls, even though they're breaking my balls. So. So a lot of times it's just like, you know, tongue-in-cheek, just, you know, messing around. I got to ask Sometimes you Sometimes it got real weird. Soccer hooligan, that whole world, what's it like? Have you, I mean, you're a soccer fan. We're big uh, Portland Timbers fans, you and I. Um, how was it over there? I'm curious. Well, it's weird. Like, I, did, I did go to one game. I went to an Arsenal game. And for the most part, it was pretty peaceful. Uh, okay. But me and my roommate at the time, my roommate at the time ran into this guy who was from, from Newcastle. And at that point, I think England uh, played a, uh, a 
an exhibition game against Poland. And uh, this guy had like just gotten out of jail for like punching a guy, punching a Polish fan uh, for no reason, for just wearing a Poland jersey. And England, England won that game, which is so weird. I was like, why, why did you hit him? This guy, I don't know, walk, walking around in Poland jersey, being Polish. I was like, yeah, what, what nerve? <laughs> I don't get it, you know. But yeah, he just, you know, alcohol. And uh, this guy was a strange guy. He kept trying to mimic my accent, but did it with like a Spicoli uh, Southern uh, California accent. I was like, not really, not really sound like that. You know, I mean, I, you know, it's better, better. It's better, better American accent than I could do with an English accent. You know, as by comparison, but still, it's not really, not really matching my accent. Yeah. Nice try. <laughs> it. Uh, besides that, you were there when like Oasis exploded. Like they were this huge, huge thing over there, and they were fairly popular here. I mean, they had a couple big albums, but. What was that like, seeing the explosion of them? And, like, that was around the time it was, like, Spice Girls. So Britpop was really breaking out. That's actually before Spice Girls made it, uh, their way over to the States. I was telling people when I got back, I was like, hey, get, be prepared for this all-broad group. They're going to be on the radio. So I was like, whatever. And then next thing you know, about a month later, they were bombarding the airwaves. But, um, yeah, Oasis was, was still really big uh, over there. And um, they were, yeah, they were like, like, so was techno music at the time. So, like, I went to a lot of clubs, uh, and techno music was big. But then they had, like, uh, like certain nights they would do, like, a rock night. And it was usually um, Oasis, like, songs or theme. And then they would have, like, one night, uh, the club residency was called Cigarettes and Alcohol, which is an Oasis song. And so, yeah, that, but they were they were huge. Oh, no, I'm thinking of uh, Blur. They have coffee and tea or something. Like coffee, coffee and TV. Yeah. Coffee and TV. Yeah. I, yeah, they're, I mean, they're big, big over there, too. But, yeah, uh uh, Oasis is still riding a pretty, pretty, pretty big wave of uh, popularity. They were like dominating the airwaves over there as well as in the states, you know. And and over there, how about with pop culture? Were there things that were really, really popular over there that like never really took off here? Um, well, as far as music or, or just anything, you know, movies, TV, uh, art, you know, comic books, anything like that. Let me try to think. It's been a little while. My memory is a bit hazy because I did do did do a lot of drinking and other stuff. <laughs> well, brain rotted. It came uh, down itself. Well, Rowan Atkinson I mean, has always been really big internationally. He's only been like a cult following here. Yeah, I mean, there was a few shows that were like, you know, like the stuff over there. They got a few few of the shows over um, that we had uh, were also popular over there, like Seinfeld and Oprah. For some reason, was you know what I mean? And they also had, um, Jerry Springer at the time was kind of popular. More just because it was such a sideshow, and it was like, look at these crazy fucking Americans. And that's another thing. They thought every American was like a uh, Jerry Springer, uh, you know, guest. So, you know, I kind of had to explain. That's kind of like, they're kind of like scraping the bottom of the battle when they yeah, yeah. get guests for it's that. Like the worst, every American. the worst. <laughs> yeah, the worst representative. I can't believe how that that's such a huge phenomenon, Jerry Springer. He even got his own movie. I think that show is even still on. And you would think by now they'd run out of rednecks to cover. Uh, but nope, nope, still got him going. Well, uh, I think now they're a bit self-aware and they're playing yeah. off the camera, you know, and they're kind of, you know, but back in the early days, it was like, you didn't know what was going to happen. You know, what's funny is but, when you get uh, chocolate and candies and stuff over from England, they blow away American candy. American candy can't even compare to what's going on with like Cadbury and, over, and other stuff over there. I will go into an English, a British shop or whatever. I'm like, load me up. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're way sweeter too. So I guess, um, there's a lot more sugar in, in them. And, uh, yeah, Cadbury, of course, it's an English company, and like you would go in, like like the um, when you go to catch the tube, you know their version of the subway, their vending machines they have all these Cadbury stuff, and you know which everybody who's like you know when you're going from bar to bar, club to club, you always stop and grab one of those, it's like really fast and easy way to get like some you know something in your stomach. But I'd always hit the uh, the Cadbury um, 
the Cadbury uh, vending machine. Uh, where I would go to like this local, they had 7-Elevens over there too. When I would go to the 7-Eleven, really? I'd always get the Lion Bar. It was like uh, a really, similar to like a Snickers, but it was really, really good. Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, they had 7-Elevens and uh, some of the other some of the other things that we have, like your KFCs and your uh, Pizza Hut, Bird King, McDonald's, they had all that stuff over there. That's too. weird. It's weird when you see something that's so American. Like if I saw Carl's Jr. in Japan, I'd be like, no, 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 no. You're ruining everything. Stop it. <laughs> I mean, they had their own uh, British spin on things too, though. So, like, they would have some things on the menu they had that we have, and some things they didn't. Um, and like, uh, I guess, like, I remember if you wanted ketchup packets, you would have to pay extra, of, like ten p, like ten pence, um, or yeah, yeah. And um, because I guess they had to import all tomatoes from other countries, so oh. they would grow it there. What are they typically so was, their sandwiches? Remoulade? Well, no, they would have it on there, but if you wanted like. Um, extra like ketchup packets for your fries or whatever, oh, okay. or your chips, I should say. Um, they, they would cost cost extra. You can't get like like normally when you go to the drive through like oh if you have ketchup packets, somebody would grab their hand and give you throw a handful at you. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're very you can't do that over there because it's like it's expensive. And that's actually a good dipping sauce. So if you were to get uh, McNuggets, uh, you'd get like sweet and sour sauce, barbecue, and like a ketchup dipping because that's like a dipping sauce Ugh. option because you know. That's yeah, like red shit right there. <laughs> Do you want mayonnaise with it? No, it's disgusting. I don't know when this trend started of covering everything in mayonnaise, but it's nasty. And I feel like we got that from like the Dutch or something. Yeah, I gotta be honest. Never been a fan of mayonnaise ever. It's the smell, the texture, the taste, all all of the uh, all of the above. It just you know, and it's weird because the the main components of mayonnaise like eggs. I like eggs. Oil. I don't have a problem with oil, but when that you know that chemical um, whatever that 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 chemical uh, cohesion when they come together. It just does not sit well on my palate. Oh, the <laughs> guy can't the stomach packets. it. The packets of mayonnaise that have been sitting out, you're like, there's no way this is healthy. <laughs> this can't be right. Well, yeah. Plus, they've like been doctored with a good amount of preservatives to keep them, you know, in that and those. So they got a good amount of sodium benzoate and polysorbate, et cetera, to keep them, you know, from spoiling. Because there'll be, you know, eggs and as we know, eggs like you know, your thick salmonella is really easy to get in yeah. most mayonnaise, but Gross. keep that from happening. A healthy dose of preservatives. Was there any food over there that was like kind of like what the hell you guys eat this? This looks disgusting. But then I maybe it turned out good. Yeah, like uh, blood pudding was actually surprisingly <sighs> pretty good. What the you would think it'd be good? Blood? What is it? It's kind of like a sausage, but it's like a kind of like a congealed blood or cooked blood <laughs> to give it like uh, uh, yeah, it sounds gross, but and I, it's funny. I made some at home and I set the fire alarm off in my my dorm <laughs> slash apartment and we had to be evacuated. Because like an idiot, I put it on too high heat. It was smoking up like really, you know. But it was good. Sorry, everybody else. So I had to evacuate out of the building. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> set the alarm, but it was worth it. It was really good. The one thing I know that sounds funny is when you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie King Ralph uh, with John Goodman, where he eats the spotted dick. But when they ask him the first couple of times, you're like, "I'm sorry, what did you just say?" No, 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 I don't want that. I believe that. I'm not sure. I not sure. I know. I think it's some kind of like canned bread or something. Is if that I'm what it recalling. is? Oh, I thought maybe like a cinnamon sugar thing, and they just call it. I should look this up. Spotted dick. I'm sure I'm gonna get some sort of porn site when I put this in. You know that, right? It's uh, some kind of like a diseased penis. That you know would be like cheetah penis. <laughs> spotted dick. Oh, right. yeah, I didn't think about that. Really. <laughs> All right, this is what it is. Uh, spotted dick is a British pudding made with suet. Well, I don't know what that is. That sounds like bird food. Uh, and dried fruit. It literally says on the box, Heinz Spotted Dick. It's because usually it's in a can, or that's where they come from when you get it like that. But suet is beef fat, and um, you'll find that in like like minced, uh, you know what else I, minced pie? 
uh, and that was um, that was like little pieces of uh, beef fat and mixed with like I think figs and some like um, it's like a sweet and savory kind of thing. That was really good. Yeah, I've had um, haggis. Uh, I thought it was. Gonna I guess be, I really thought it was going to be disgusting. I know that's not London with Scotland, but still the UK. Um, I, I thought it was going to be disgusting, but I tried it last year for the Scottish festival, and it wasn't that bad. Right? Yeah, I went to um, I went to Scotland for a few days uh, when I was living over there, and I had haggis while I was over there too. And it was like I was like, this is surprisingly all right. I was expecting to be horrified and totally grossed out, but uh, yeah, it, it wasn't bad at all. And uh, when I brought up Spotted Dick, um, another food came up, which I'm not going to say out loud, uh, but it's spelled F-A-G-G-O-T, and uh, that's a dish in the UK. It's made with meat offcuts, which, of course, always sounds tasty, um, made from pig's heart, liver, and fat belly meat or bacon, minced together with herbs added to flavoring and sometimes breadcrumbs. Hey, I'm going to pause for a second while I go throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Never had that. Yeah, and I never heard that either. I've only I have heard, uh, of course, fag, but usually referring to a cigarette. Yeah. Is what they call a fag. You know, uh, but, uh, English aren't known for their cuisine. You know, the UK isn't really known for like high quality foods. But there, I think, there, there's I think, some stuff if you dig in. I'm sure there's some good stuff in there. I think the traditional cuisine, like most, uh, least Americans, have a problem with. It's a lot of it's boiled and you know covered in like you know uh, like eels and mash is like really popular turn of the century kind of like victorian era you know which is like eels congealed kind of sauce and stuff yeah. you know je- jelly deals and mash I've had so a lot of people would I've have had eel on sushi it's not that bad yeah um yeah and like i've had like some of their uh, traditional game pies at like um at a pub and it's pretty good it's like you know rabbit and pheasant and all the stuff and like venison cooked in the pie and it was, it was good um but i think the i think the knock on them for the longest time has been like they just boil everything you know boil or fry so that's that's kind of changed like nowadays. They like some some of the best uh, some of the best chefs in the world are coming from it, and uh, you know so that's kind of but like they still have that old stereotype. It's kind of hard to overcome, you know. But I, I definitely had uh, I definitely enjoyed myself while I was there. I drank way too much. Uh, <laughs> Did you do the touristy was, stuff? I, Did you get on a double decker and go to Big Ben? Well, I used that bus when I went to to go to places, so I wasn't like I never went all the way to the top, you know. But I did uh, go to the back and hang off the back once I was getting off. But I did. I, well, well, I think at the top it was covered though, so it wasn't like a sightseeing one. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Just one, there's no no seats available. Like a class, down below. A classic double decker then. Right, and uh, yeah, but like yeah, I just uh, drank way too much. I would drink every day in between. And another thing is, culture over there is like you can drink at lunch. Like you know, like you can go to a pub, have a few beers, and then go back to work. Here, you can't do that. Um, you know, stateside, you'd be like considered an alcoholic. They smell beer on your <laughs> breath. <laughs> like Jim, uh, have you been drinking? Like. Well, yeah, just just a few lunch beers. Yeah, well, we're gonna have to ask you to leave. So, uh, <laughs> Let me go operate this machinery. Hold on. Yeah, exactly. Why don't you go home and have a few dinner beers, and then have a few whatever beers for the rest of your life because you're fired. Well, the culture but, uh, for a pub seems to be different than a bar, like American. Yeah, bar. well, you're not expected to overindulge, especially you know before uh, five. You know, you're not supposed to you know throw them back and do shots. It's kind of like a foreign concept over there. Um, you're not supposed to be partying. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's here. It seems like excessive. Where over there, it just seems like a relaxing after work kind of. Well, the, the day is done. Let's chill. Let's hang out with my friends. You know that kind of thing. I mean, they do go nuts too. You know, don't get me wrong. When they go, um, like you know, not during the during during the daytime, but when it's like um, you know, the games on or you know, like Friday night, they'll uh, yeah, they'll go, they'll go, they'll go pretty hard too. Throw, throw back some 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 drinks. Just 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 like a, just like their brethren over here, you know. 
Was there anything part of our culture, like an everyday kind of thing, that when you went over there, it was like completely like lost on them? Like baseball is not a thing over there. And then you had to do through they're cricket, not, you know, like, all right. They did not like baseball over there. They thought it was boring. But like they would watch cricket, which is way longer and, in my opinion, way more boring. Yeah. Um, like uh, they didn't really – you get mixed uh, reviews on uh, football. A lot of them claimed it was a ripoff of rugby and uh, it's too much stoppage to play, which I get, you know. And some people like it, some people didn't. Um, There's too much equipment. There's too much safety. That's what they're calling us a bunch of like, pussies for having like too much uh, pads and gear on. And wearing rugby, you don't need that. But also, they're not seeing like the momentum. The momentum of the hits, you know what I mean? Like from cross field, they're not really doing that in rugby. The hits are from cl- closer range. Yeah. So you're not really, you know, it's the, the impact isn't as heavy, so you kind of need that equipment. It's really hard to explain that to them. They just, you know, the, the, you know, when I when I would give them a conversation. I'm not even a football and NFL fan, but I would feel like I would have to defend it. Like, well, what you're not saying is, you know, the, the it's more high impact. Yeah. Now, nah, whatever, a bunch of bunch of American pussies. Like, all right, fair enough. We're not <laughs> we're not we're not going to have the debate. You're just gonna you're just gonna get your point across. It's fine. Is basketball so, or hockey even a thing over there? Ba- basketball is. They appreciate basketball. They appreciate the NBA, um, like more so than uh, baseball and football. I'd say. Um, of course, you know, soccer and football is you know uh, n- number one supreme. Yeah, all, all other sports pale in comparison yeah. as far as uh, they're, 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 <laughs> um, a, a big thing um, like over there um, was like the like Red Bulls were a new thing over there at least for me back in 96 energy drinks had, hadn't hit big and um, coffee culture wasn't a thing over there at the time when I was there because I was there back in the mid 90s so things were a little different like you couldn't find a Starbucks if you wanted to now I'm pretty sure you could throw a rock and probably hit five of them if you were to go to London right now but for me to have a, a good cup of coffee, like I, I don't remember them being having coffee at the local McDonald's. I would have to uh, go to an Italian restaurant, get an Americano, and uh, that was it. That was the way I could have like a decent cup of coffee. Wow. I had to sit down. Yeah, so it wasn't like or, or Italian-style cafe and have it there. But there was no, like, you know, no, uh, you know, macchiatos. And stuff. But they would have, like, you can get a cappuccino or um, an espresso-based drink, but... Yeah, it was like a whole thing. You have to sit down, you have the server, et cetera. It was like a whole, you can't like, you know. Just throw in a cup But of now coffee. I think that, yeah, I just want a quick cup of coffee, normal coffee. No, I'd have to get an Americano because that would be the closest thing they could offer to it. Yeah. But now that's different. I'm sure you go to, you find a Starbucks anywhere you look over there. Yeah, I'm not a coffee person, but I'm a huge tea person. So I think I would like to just be stopping every tea house. Like, Let me try what you got. Give me a fix. The difference is that like British traditional style tea is mixed with cream and sugar, which I didn't like. I'm, I'm not a fan of. That's like you know uh, a typical breakfast for them is like tea and toast, and it was like butter toast and this creamy ass tea. And like I like my tea sans milk and cream and sugar. Yeah. So you can get it without it, but they might raise a few eyebrows. Yeah, yeah the the Thai uh, culture they do that too, milk with tea, and it's actually really tasty. Yeah, well they use that like condensed sweetened condensed milk with yeah. it, so it's like. You know, Totes. So, besides London, did you go to any other countries? Went to Amsterdam for a few days. That was a uh, that was an experience. Oh, I <laughs> imagine. <laughs> I mean, I, I had every intention of like being like not just oh, I'm sure to get, get loaded. I, that wasn't my. But yeah, I wanted to go to the Anne Frank Museum. I wanted to go to the Van Gogh Museum. I just never got around to it. <laughs> you know, so I spent a little too much time in the uh, what they call the coffee shops. And uh, <laughs> the coffee. yeah. Yeah, they did over. So, well, I didn't realize when I went there, I was in the beginning stages of mono, so my throat was torn up. Wow! And uh, I just tried it like 
edibles. You know what I mean? To see if that worked. Because when we were younger, me and my friends, we would make edibles. We didn't make them correctly. We didn't know it. We didn't decarb or decarboxylate the, uh, the pot. So we would just throw like loose green pot <laughs> in with the brownie mixture. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't cook. They were just basically eating like pot and like with like raw weed in it. It didn't do anything. They made it the correct way. And I'll be damned if I didn't get wasted real fast. So I was just eating like uh, it, it, the differentiate between like a, a, a pastry with or without it. So if it had uh, cannabis in it, we call it they call it space cake or space coffee or space hot chocolate. Without was just normal. So I would just have space this, space candy bars, space cupcakes, space you know. And then yeah, I got pretty loaded, and then lost you know stumbling around the streets of Amsterdam, trying to find the Heineken uh, brewery, because I want to take a tour of that, but I couldn't find it, even though my hotel was pretty close to that. I just, you know, lost all sorts of direction. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely a fun time. Yeah, I... I, I go ahead. Yeah, sorry. So I'm just saying it was something I could only do when I, at that age, when I was 21. Yeah. I couldn't do it now. Because... I hate traveling now. Do you find yourself like, oh, shit, we gotta do this. Alright. Yeah, it's such a pain in the balls, man, having to, like, you know, go through the security line. I mean, this is pre-9-11, too, so security now is such a fucking pain in the ass. And, uh, yeah, I just, like, you almost have to, like, take an extra vacation day from your travel day because it just sucks so bad. Yeah. it's You need to recover. It, it takes so much torture out of just traveling. You know, when I was a kid, it didn't really bother me. We used to travel all the time when I was a kid. Just, uh, I've hit, I probably hit every single state except for, like, 12. Okay, so that's not that made you think I was gonna say like two, but no, I haven't been to Alaska, Hawaii. I haven't really done the strip up top. I haven't done Arizona or New Mexico, and I haven't done the upper strip where Boston. You'd think I would have gone to Boston by now, but I haven't. Boston, <laughs> that whole thing there, but I think I pretty much hit every other state in one way or another. Even if it was the time that we took the train from Chicago to uh, I think Sacramento, and um, basically like I would get out of the train. Yeah, yeah, I've been here. Let's go. <laughs> I think, I think I've been two or through every state but four. So, like, of course, like, you know, uh, Hawaii and Alaska, you know, everyone, just almost everyone in the continental United States except for two. Yeah. So um, I had to been to Rhode Island for somehow, some reason. Been every other state on the East Coast. I just never went through it, you know. I've been to Rhode Island or I think, I want to say Montana. That's the only other one. Yeah, I don't I've know been, if I've been to know. Montana either. I might be way off of my numbers here. I know I haven't been to Rhode Island. The only time I've been out of this country is we went up through New York State and then up to uh, Niagara Falls and went over there. And I remember clearly going into a comic book store, buying a couple comics, and he goes, where are you guys from? And I go, America! Dumbass. I think he meant the state. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> you mean the states? Yeah, I was just like, the minute I said it, I was like, and that was the wrong thing to say. I look stupid. And here's my American money. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, when I went to um, I, got, I went to like a shop in in, in Holland, and um, somebody just started speaking to me in Dutch, and I felt like such a typical American tourist douche because I didn't even know enough to say hello or I don't speak your language. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I only speak English, and there's like, oh, okay, well I can speak to you in your language if you like. I thought you were Dutch. I'm like, yeah, I'm such, such a dickhead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. At least so I know, sorry. No habla espanol. Yeah, I can't even say, I can't even, I couldn't even say the Dutch equivalent to that. Have you ever been ah, to Mexico? I'm, I, for some reason, I'm terrified to go to Mexico. Never been to Mexico. Yeah, I've, I, and same, more now than ever. Yeah, totally. I right. feel like, you know, some bad shit might happen. You know, <laughs> well, super Trump's ruined it for all of us. <laughs> yeah. I was almost, I was almost mugged in, uh, in Holland, believe it or not. Really? This guy, um, yeah, because, uh, 
he was trying to ask something from me. I was like, nah, I don't have anything. He's like, excuse me, try to ask you something. I'm like, you know, I think he was like uh, Bosnian or something or hmm. Latvian. I don't know. Like, I don't have anything. Like, you know what I was going to ask you? I was like, sorry, dude. And he pulled out a knife on me. And I was like, maybe you understand me. I need some money. I was like, all right, man. Um, I think I got a few dollars here. I, and like, I'm, you're running a scenario through your head. Like, maybe can I get this knife away from him? Um, I'm in another country. I do need to get back to my country eventually. I don't want to get stabbed, for starters. You know, you're running this whole, all these scenarios. Like, can I overtake this guy? I don't know. <laughs> you know, so I it was like, is it, and then after I tried to give him a little bit, he like kind of softened his stance for a second. It's like, where are you from? I was like, you from? He was like, where are you from? Are you from England? From Canada? Because they don't know an American accent. This guy doesn't. I was like, oh, I'm from, uh, I'm from the states. He's like, oh, okay. I'll tell you what. Uh, what, what, what do you want? You want you, you want some cocaine? You want some some ecstasy? You want some weed? I'm like, not <laughs> just. I thought it was just some weed. Like, so he ended up getting me some weed. It was way overpriced for what I gave to him. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I'll be back and I'll get you some more stuff. And I was like, I'm just going to take off now. I don't yeah, want to, you know. Yeah. So that was a weird, that was a weird scenario. Yeah, but yeah, I'm afraid you're going to Mexico. Yeah, I got mugged once. It was in Monterey. And I remember the fact that I only had three bucks on me or something like that and a hat. And that was it. And he was just like desperate for anything. He's like, I wasted my time mugging you. And you're not, you don't have anything. And he was going to take me down the woods and beat the shit out of me. And I just said, well, it's now or never. And I just started like screaming like a lunatic. Like not just like, ah! I just started like ranting and raving like I was nuts. And just kept getting louder and louder and louder. He's like, would you just shut up? All right, okay. And uh, you know, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go now. <laughs> yeah, so I guess mine was like a cooperative mugging. So I guess, you know. <laughs> so I, I mean, got I weed out of it. <laughs> I got I got an exchange, but like at not an equal rate. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? He made himself a nice profit, but whatever. You know, and then you know he said he'd come back. Like you know what? I don't know if you will or not. I'm certainly not waiting around, so I'm out of here. You know. So. Yeah. But that 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 was a little, a little strange. Yeah. The only other time, sure. you know, a lot of it was just like traveling through uh, the states. Like we would take uh, trips down to South Carolina a lot to Charleston because at the time my mom was going to write a book about uh, the Civil War and slavery and stuff like that. Uh, so we went there quite a bit. We went to New Orleans a couple times where it was hot as balls, and I don't know why I expected anything different. I remember going into a store and buying this long sleeve shirt and some new jeans that I thought were cool, and I put them on immediately. And I was just like, what have I done? It's like I mean, everything's just coated to my body, and we're trying to walk back instead of taking the bus. We were idiots. I, mean, I was just like, not weird, but I was in it, and uh, I'm sure my family was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's right there on the Gulf of Mexico. It's super humid. Like, I used to live an hour and a half away from there in Biloxi, Mississippi, and I've probably been in New Orleans like 20 times. And that's the thing. If you go there in summer, even if, like, it's, oh, it's only 80 degrees, it's some, it's some high humidity. Yeah. So you're going to be you're some sweating, you know, totally. Whatever you see movies set in the bayou, they're not playing around. They're, those people are always sweaty. Oh, yeah, totally. It is re- it's really, really humid. I remember when I first relocated from, um, from Philadelphia to Biloxi, Mississippi, I had gotten off the plane in August. You know, and I got off, and I was like, "Fuck!" It like <laughs> it punches you in the hot. face. Just heat. It's like a, like a wave, like woof. Like shit, that's hot. That is really, really hot. I wasn't prepared for this, so I was like, "God damn." I think to quote Lewis Black, it's uh, the kind of situation where you feel like you need to put deodorant on your balls. Yeah, uh, like uh, a friend of mine, like uh, would always quote like uh, Matthew Broderick and Biloxi Blues. Coincidentally enough, I moved to Biloxi, and he was like, "It's hot." It's Africa hot because he's coming there from New York and he wasn't used to that heat or humidity either. So, uh, yeah, it's fucking insanely humid. Well, I remember we went to, uh, uh, I want to say it was Pensacola, Florida, just to say we went to Florida. And uh, it was nice and breezy there because, you know, it's right there uh, at the uh, 
I don't know. How do you work? How does it work with the Gulf? How does the water? Is it like come up cold from the Florida and get hot as it moves over to New Orleans and Texas? Yeah, there's a weird little uh, circular uh, motion that goes from the Gulf to get the Gulf winds. So um, I think Pensacola is in the Panhandle facing the Gulf. Yeah. Like on the interior versus the cities that face the Atlantic, unlike Miami, etc. So it says a little one there. Depending on what time of the season, it can get a little breezy as well. You know. Yeah, but I remember that like being like totally different apparently from the rest of Florida because I've never been to Disneyland or which one? No, Disney World is in Florida. Disneyland's in LA. I've never either one. You know, I've never been to Miami. My family has been to Florida a couple times, and I just it sounded like yeah. something I wanted nothing to do. Miami's okay. I was only in South Beach, but it was uh, it was it was pretty pretty hot. And uh, Orlando is super fucking humid. I lived there for three months. That's where Disney World is, by the way. And um, it's just yeah, really flat. And really hot, just really humid. We're there in March, and we're like, "Holy shit, is it hot here?" And this guy's like, "You think this is hot now? Wait till June." I'm like, <laughs> no, I won't be waiting till June. I won't be here that long, and I only lived last year like three months. So yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy hot there as well. It's uh, we went to Myrtle Beach, and I remember that just tourist hellhole. I don't know why I expected different. I was old enough to know by then that it was a, a spring break kind of area. We went in the summer. And we got stuck in horrible traffic in a car overheat. And I was like, we're going to be stuck here. We're, we're not going to make it. Somehow we, you know, we let the car cool off and made it out of there. But I will never, ever step a <laughs> foot in Myrtle Beach ever again. Well, one thing when I was uh, uh, 16, we had taken a class trip down there from like my marching band. And we drove all the way down there in a big old yellow school bus. And yeah, I just remember being um, just underwhelmed. Like, oh, this is, you know. Reminds me of like a Jersey short point. I mean, it's not like, you know, I guess it was my expectations were too high, but I was like, eh, I could take or leave this place, to be honest yeah. with you. I, that was a long time ago, though. I don't know. Maybe it's changed. Maybe it's cool now. Who knows? And most of the places I've been to, I, I, I would never go back to, like Washington, D.C. Never would go back again. But I'll tell you where I would go back. And it sounds so bizarre coming from me, but like Gatlinburg and uh, Nashville, you know, you know, those kind of areas where, yes, it's kind of the south, but it's more civilization, you know. Oh, hey, there's Dollywood, you know, and ah, you know, so like that. It's beautiful, yeah. and it's uh, it's it's kind of um, uh, not backwards like everybody thinks. Yeah, totally. Like uh, I, I, I've been in Nashville, and I enjoyed it there. It's like there's always like that weird city in every state that is a representative of the rest of the state, like. Uh, where I'm at right now, outside of Raleigh. Raleigh is not like the rest of uh, North Carolina. Um, like, you know, sure, surely Austin is not like the rest of Texas. Right. And then, yeah, but Nashville is not like the, the woods of Tennessee and, and, and places like that as well. Same with Louisiana and, and, um, and New Orleans. And uh, even where I was at the time, uh, Biloxi and the rest of Mississippi, you could tell somebody's coming up from the Delta, you know, versus the people who are around Biloxi, like this real country, you know, like not very... Uh, not very well uh, educated. I mean, it was uh, well mannered, I, I suppose. But like, yeah, you'd run into some rednecks from like from the interior of the state yeah. versus like you know a little gem of a city, you know. I think but, um, the one thing we went through like the Appalachians, and those are the oh god, I don't know if we're relieved for that again. I driving through the mountains on those tiny, tiny little roads. Oh my god, like you just fill your pants and you just yeah, I'm never doing this again. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, some some, some hair bin turns and whatnot. Yeah. I think it's funny, my fondest memory, this is, most of the trips that I take, my fondest memories for some reason seem to be, hey, I found a shop where you can buy a bunch of comic books for nothing. Oh, this is where I got my Star Wars toys. It's my pop culture <laughs> just, like, rules my world. The only thing I have no good memories of, really, is Texas. And I've only been to Texas once. I don't even remember where it was. But, um, hot as shit, 
dull, dry, and there were rats climbing in the walls. <laughs> I couldn't sleep. I didn't stay overnight in Texas, but my only memory of Texas is driving through there. And, like, um, I guess I was going through, like, just a really um, arid, deserty part of Texas. Uh, so I, I was driving from Mississippi when I relocated to Oregon for the first time. And um, I just like, remember hitting the, like, the Seek radio dial and just kept going around and around, not landing on anything. I was like, oh, that's great. I mean, you know, and there was just like dry, arid, light brown color and everything. And uh, I was like, really flat and like nothing around for miles. I was like, wow, this is, uh... so this is Texas. Well, all right, I guess I'll uh, <laughs> no need to go anywhere. Let's just keep keep on trucking through this state. Yeah. I think Austin is like the Portland of Texas. And if I ever did go back to Texas, um, I would definitely go there. Yeah, seriously. I, I, I actually would like to. That's on my bucket list of cities to visit. I do go to, if I ever do go back yeah. to Texas again. I have a friend who lives there. I feel like cool. I should just go on vacation and go visit him. Yeah, it's weird. I have friends who live in other cities, and I feel weird about, like, uh, like I have a friend who lives in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And uh, I feel weird, like, hey, man, any place there? I'm going to crash your place. Is that cool? I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll be like, I guess. I haven't seen you, like, in 15 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. But, uh, <laughs> you know. You have that moment, like, um, where do I know you again? I, I mean, we know each other, but how do I know you? Right. Like, it's weird. Like, I wanted to do, like, vacation back again in, in Portland next month. And uh, I have enough of the plane ticket, but I don't have enough. Well, even, like, a cheap hotel. Like, there's some hotels that are, like, $45 a night. Yeah. And uh, I don't even have enough money. And that also would need spending money. Because let's face it, if you're going to go visit someplace, you need some kind of, you're not just going to go there and walk around. Like, oh, no, just do nothing. So, you know, so I could crash at somebody's house, or part, or, you know, I guess if I beg them, it would just be weird, especially because our friends live in the burbs. I can't be like, hey, you take me back and forth to the max so I can go into the city. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't have a car. So if you keep taking, and then pick me up when I get back, that'd be great, you know. So, yeah, so I, yeah. long story short, I'm going to have to wait till. I get my tax refund in March, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, or April. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, this is kind of off beaten path, but I, you know, I've been trying to rack my brain about where to live. You know, I hate where I live now, and California is too expensive to go back to. Going up down the coast is just not working, so I'm really trying to set my mind on going back to the only place that I've ever been happy, and that was over in Milwaukee. Uh, not Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Like the Milwaukee section of Portland? Yeah, you mean? this is the only place I've okay. ever been happy with. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know uh, Bob's Red Mill is uh, yeah. over there, and uh, I heard they're hiring. I saw somebody else post it. I'm like, now we're not talking about like a great paying position, but it's something. It's foot in the door. Right. Well, there's so. Dark Horse Comics there as well. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, that's true. That's your forte. I mean, if you're like doing something you love, it's not really working. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't call it work if you're like you know doing what you enjoy. So there's always that. Yeah, but who knows if that'll happen. Um, before we go, there's one last place. The destination for the entire universe. I don't care what country you're from. There's one place in this country that everybody goes to, and that's Vegas. Yep. Been there, been there a few times. I've been there once. And I remember the minute I left, I'm going, I'm never coming back here again. And then, I like, over the years, I'm like, eh, you know what? I kind of like to go back. But I want to see Reno, too. I don't know if you've ever been there. No. Uh-uh. Um, so it's like... Reno, I will have been told that Reno is like Vegas, but without like the outside attractions of the casinos. They really much just have the casinos. Um, the last couple times I went to Vegas, uh, I stayed with a friend who lived out there. So um, I kind of it was kind of cool. You get a chance to see residential Vegas, which you wouldn't normally see as a tourist. You see that weird. Um, you see that it's just weird seeing like Vegas performers, like you know, uh, not not on. <laughs> yeah, just like coming off work at the grocery store. Strange. Sometimes you'll see like a, a cocktail waitress. Inner makeup, either coming back from or going to work. It's really strange, but it's, it's kind of neat at the same time. But definitely a place I'd only want to visit, not live. 
you know. Yeah. Well, we stayed in a condo just like right off the strip. So, you know, it takes you 10 minutes to walk to it. But there are certain things that will never get out of my mind about that city. One that drove me insane were those guys with the porno cards. They, they, can't, oh, yeah. <laughs> they can't say what it is. They just kind of go. Yeah, fl- flipping them and trying to hand them to you. Yeah. They're being a little rough sometimes, like right in your face. They're like, I got it. Stop. Yeah, it's really Almost rude. Like you're, I mean, if you're, you're not looking, like, you tape it. Yeah, you could run right into them. Yeah, like, I don't want you to hit me in the eye with that thing, so I guess I'll take it from you and then throw it away later. Yeah, you know? I, I think at the end we collected so many. I was like, it was like baseball cards. Need it, need it, got it, got it, need it, got it, got it, need it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, but yeah, that was uh, definitely uh, as an experience. Not, you know, I, I, I I'm not really a drinker anymore, so like I don't really, and I'm not like a hardcore partier anymore. So eh, the appeal is kind of worn off, and I've kind of been there, done that. Even though it's it's a cool place, I suppose. Well, there's two different but. worlds. There is the gambling, drinking, you know, the more of the vice kind of thing. And uh, I was more of the family entertainment kind of thing. So I went and hung out in the arcades. Uh, we went to that Knights of Camelot kind of thing. Um, that was a really cool show. Uh, of course, there's an unending amount of places to eat. If you want to put on weight, yeah, there, go to Vegas. <laughs> there's some great restaurants. That. That's, that's for sure. If yeah, you love very, Elvis, very go to Vegas. <laughs> or next, go to Nashville first. Great. Wait, where's Graceland exactly? Let me ask you a question. When's the? I mean, we're just talking about traveling here, but when? When's the, uh, the 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 earliest memory you have of like wanting to actually relocate, like leave your small town that you like that that that's all you know? Uh, well, I grew up in the city, um, and it was when I was thirteen is when we moved to uh, the little country town, and that's when I started getting a little discontent. You know, a lot of things that I wanted were not there. I'd have to travel all, like forty minutes to get to the city. And at first, I kind of wanted to just relocate to the city, but I don't know exactly when it happened. I think it was, I want to say it was when I got to college, and being in a whole different world, all these new people, and I was like, you could do this all the time, just constantly relocate and meet new people, get sick of them, move to the next one. Now, you know I've moved a lot over the last, like, 15 years. It's like a new place every single year. Um, uh, I do know that for a while I really wanted to live in, I don't know, I think it's just solely because of Mystery Science Theater 3000, I wanted to live in Minneapolis, St. Paul. So I actually applied for an internship on the show, and then the show got canceled, so that didn't happen. But then it just became all about California. I hear besides the winter, it's a really it's a really cool city to live in, but the winters are pretty brutal. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I remember um, when, I was, when I was a kid, my parents separated, which I didn't realize at the time. So we were living in, like, Middletown, and then I, they separated them. So we were living like in kind of like around Hershey. But I remember it was just like, it was like summer. So all the like, the, uh, the fields were like dry. Cause you know what I mean? And I just remember being really flat. I remember like a horse and buggy going by. Cause it's kind of like Amish country. And I just remember thinking, fuck this place. <laughs> it really sucked. Yeah. I do not want to be here anymore. And then we go back to my home, which is the middle. So I'm like, oh, cool. We're going back here. But I realized we're packing our shit, and my parents are getting divorced. So I'm going to um, live with, you know, my grandparents' town, which is like suburban Philadelphia. And I'm, I think, I'm like, ah, that sucks, but I don't mind getting the fuck out of here too. That's cool. So let's get out of here. But anything but like anything but Hershey. Let's get out of here. So we go to like my uh, my grandparents' uh, town, which is like suburban Philadelphia. I'm like, oh, this sucks too. But at the rate things are going, we're moving every couple of months, so we shouldn't be here too long. So yeah, that's fine. So, but I remember thinking it's going on and longer and I'm like, all right, when the fuck are we moving? This is been here a couple of years now. We should wrap this up. And, uh, I just kind of stayed there and I'm like, Oh God, I'm like thinking, all right, well, when I'm 18, I'm going to go wherever the hell I want for as long as I want. So that's all I was thinking about. And then my mom put this guilt trip on me. Like you have to go to college. I'm like, well, why? You don't want to be the first person in your family not to go to college. Do you? I'm like, uh, who gives a shit? 
was like, well, don't you want to get a good job? I was like, again, uh, is, is that a guarantee? He's like, well, no, but it's, you know, better, your chances are better. I was like, if I go to college, will, you sh- will that shut you the fuck up? He's like, yeah, then you can go wherever you want. So I went to college, you know, did my year trying to look for a job around the city and to no, no success. But in the back of my mind, I was kind of hoping it would fail anyway so I could get the fuck out of Philadelphia. Yeah. And, you know, it was almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, yeah, so I was like, fuck this place. I can't wait to move. I went to, like, move to hot-ass Biloxi. You know, I lived in a motel for, like, a couple months, you know, until I was able to find an apartment. And I remember when I first moved to, like, out of the house, I was, like, about 24, living in this motel. I was, like, young for my age, the way, the way it's always been. And this kid was like, hey, man, are you running away? I'm thinking, sort of. You know, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, not, not the way you think. I'm doing it legally. But, yeah, I'm kind of running away, you know. <laughs> I remember as a kid, I wanted to put a little stick on my back, you know, with a little the sack on the back of it and go, oh, I'm running away. Same here. I thought, like, you know, the little, little bandana for your, like, five worldly goods. Like, yeah, I'll hop, I'll hop, a, I'll hop a, uh, tr- like a train like they did back in the hobo days. That seems like a cool way to do. Why can't I do that now? It's crazy dangerous, and you end up getting killed. So oh, back oh, then, yeah, I'm like, yeah, it seems, good. <laughs> seems like a cool, cool way to travel, you know, free, you know. Yeah, I think it, uh, I read on the road, and I thought, "Oh my god, that'd be great." That's a, that, I think maybe that's when the really rambling part of my, you know, I just want to go from place to place. And I, I I read that, and I was just fascinated by it. And um, then I did a double feature basically of that, and then Lonesome Highway by David Carradine, where he's basically been traveling around, you know, not just before, you know, before he was an actor, because when you're an actor or a musician, you kind of hit the road a lot. Even a stand-up comic, you're always on the road. Uh, and, and before that, though, he would go from place to place to place, just travel and see what life was like. And it seems so romanticized. And the reality is, day two, I'm buried in the back of someone's car. I may never, be, I never, may, I may never see the sky again. Well, another thing about like relocating and traveling a lot, when you are like a stranger in a strange town, you have this, you have this romantic notion that like, ooh, who's that mysterious stranger? Let me talk to him. It's not the case. You know, you're like some creepy loner. They don't know you. They don't know if they want to know you. It's not like you see in a movie where, like, some, some uh, romantic stranger strolls in town, sees the girl from across the bar, you know what I mean? He's like, Ooh, he's mysterious. Let me, uh, <laughs> let me go, go to bed with him tonight. No. There we picture a creepy, possibly a uh, creepy serial killer. No one knows you. You're all alone here. Let's avoid this guy like the fucking plague. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like uh, Children of the Corn. Outlander! Yeah, totally. And, like, and I'm, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm a loner. I've always been, like, a creepy loner, I guess. You know what I mean? I'm kind of like... A serial killer who doesn't actually do any killing. You know what I mean? I'm <laughs> just like, a, I'm a, I'm, yeah, I have all, all the other great traits. I'm just a loner and like, you know, uh, kind of avoid people. But yeah, it takes took me a while to like, you know, establish uh, friends. And I'm actually not even even able to do that here. I've been here for like a couple of years, and like, I'm not able to get on anybody's level or vice versa. Same thing. Same, same thing about, here. I never really had trouble making friends, and here I'm just like, these people all kind of suck. <laughs> Yeah, same here. Like, my last stop is, like, my worst stop. Like, I was able to make friends in Biloxi just fine. In Portland, no problem at all. You know, even other places I live. Um, but here, it's just like, yeah, man, like, my jokes miss. <laughs> you know what I mean? People don't understand me. And it's, like, that weird conversation where you try to establish, like, um, like a repertoire of somebody. Like, hey, man, how was your weekend? I'll ask somebody, like, yeah, it was good. I did some cool things. I did this. Like, and then they'll end the conversation. Like, you don't want to reciprocate and find out how my weekend was? Or, okay, that's fine, I guess. We're just, we're just conversations over. You don't really give a shit about, you know, if how my life is. If someone says cool. to me, I go, how's it going? He'll just go, oh, another day in paradise. Fuck you, buddy. 
fuck you, I'm not talking to you I anymore. Hate, I you say the same cliche expression. bullshit. If you don't like it, get out. That that or living a dream. Like, oh, yeah, that too. Stop uh, it. Hardly working. Working hard. Uh, <laughs> shut up, you cliche. Yeah, it's just it's just really strange. Here, here people are, I don't know, and I don't know if I'm odd or they're odd or it's just, you know what I mean? So it's just like I have the hardest time, you know, like, uh, making, you know, interacting with people. Like in other cities I've been at, like, no problem at all. Like, like you're weird, but you're my kind of weird. Here it's yeah, like, we you're had, weird, and you're no definitely problem, not my kind of weird. No problem whatsoever in Portland finding my kind of people. And oddly, most of them seem to work in the same place. That's kind of weird. But um, I guess the Target has that thing where just like those kind of people work there. Um, but ever since then, it's just been a struggle. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's um, it's just really, just really uh, it's disheartening sometimes. You know, it's like I'm just like I'm bored. You know what I mean? I like people are like sometimes they'll like ask me to hang out just as a courtesy. Like until they don't want they don't really want me to. And I'm like, uh, like, but usually I've had a plan. I just couldn't do it anyway because of my, where my schedule was. But there's times where somebody will ask the person next to me, hey, man, you coming out tonight? Cool. And <laughs> right, hey, yeah. right over me. I'm like, hey, I, I have plans in case you were wondering. Oh, you weren't wondering? Okay. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> well, really it's awkward. Well, another dead hooker. And you're like, no, 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 no. That's okay. I don't want to come. <laughs> you want to go home so, at 4 a.m.? No. Why would anybody get up at 4 a.m.? Why? Why would you do this? We're going fishing. That's when the fish wake up and we get them easier. No, no, no. I can buy fish. You know that, right? There's grocery stores that exist. Yeah, but it's something to do. You know what else is something to do? Going home and sleeping in. Yeah, and because of my lack of contact with other adult humans, it's really reigniting my wanderlust. So I'm really, like, fighting the urge, like, fuck this place. I'm out of here. It's, it's like a daily struggle. It really is. I mean, not only where I live is terrible, but I've been to better places, and I know they're out there, and I can't really get there right now. I know. It's a pain, isn't it? It's such a struggle, because it seems like all the cool places are crazy expensive. Yeah, for real. And, like, I I know places I can afford in Portland, but, you know, my family's here, like, my kids, I should say, so that's kind of the hang-up. But I know if I wanted to, if shit hit the fan, there's um, transient housing I can live in Portland where I could pay, like, about $300 a month until I can get some money together, you know. I know I can do it if I had to. Well, all you have to do is hook up with that, that Dutch guy that sold the weed in the streets. You know, have to, you can just be his connection to Portland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But yeah, just trying to resist the urge is, is really hard sometimes. And like, and that's another thing. Like, I don't know if that that's like one of my earliest uh, earliest memories is wanting to fucking just just blow this fucking town. Yeah. And I feel like I'm in a constant state of that. Like, I'm in a constant state of wanderlust. That's like, you know, I'm really it's really tough for me to fight the urge. But I feel like that's not just like traveling just for home, but just like to relocate forever you know it's like i know it's unhealthy i know it's like counterproductive as an adult human but uh yeah it's, it's such a strong urge it really is all right i think that brings us to the end of our episode is there anything else you want to say before we go uh, uh i guess not but i mean if like if all you know is your small town and you should really get out and try to travel and just get a fresh perspective on things because yeah uh, i think i think you'll think yeah. you'll find out that what you your, your notion of a town or a part of the country may or may not be, be correct, you know what I mean, based upon what you see in the media. Yeah, it's uh, what I'm seeing now, it feels like, uh, especially since you know, politics are just right out there for everybody to see because of the election, I feel like a lot of the people who are racist, sexist, you know, uh, there's only one way to live, you know, and, and it's one type of religion, uh, I feel that's coming from people who don't travel, who don't experience life from other, you know, I just, especially if you live in a small town. I hear these country songs now, and they're all about how proud they are to be from a small town, the way their life is. I'm like, you know what? 
Great. You spent, you raised in a small town, but please at least take a vacation to bigger cities. Experience what it's like to be with people of different cultures, different races, different um, ages, you know, mindsets. Because uh, it opens up yeah. your world. I think it makes you a better person. Yeah, I, I agree completely. It's like almost like prideful ignorance. Like they're they're happy to be misinformed. You know what I mean? Oh, and it's yeah. just like a... taking back. Take, they're taking back the word redneck, and they're proud of it. They act. They say it's their version of the N word. And I'm like, no, never. It's not even close. It's not even the ballpark. It's not even a sport. Yeah, I just yeah. It's just I. I it's like they, they they don't want to know what's on the other side of their of their you know of of their backyard they just they they you know and then there's like there's another thing even what's happening in portland there's like this kind of um there's like this passive aggressive um oh you're from california I'm from here. you're ruining yeah <laughs> it's just like it's this nativism where it's like yeah i'm from here you're not you know what i mean like yeah, well, so fucking what you know what i mean <laughs> i mean who gives a shit I, I, it's, it's really weird there's a little bit of that here too like you'll see like the native i'll see a thing that says north carolina native or oregon native and i'm like yeah all right. I mean, you know, it's you know, yeah, it's, like, I just, it's open. None of us are truly from where we're, you know, we're all from a different country. The only people who are allowed to say, "Oh, you don't belong here. Get out of the Native American." True. Yeah, and it's weird. I don't know. Like, I never saw that. I still don't see that when I go home to Pennsylvania. Like, because people don't give a shit. Like, you're from somewhere else. That's cool. I don't care. You yeah. know what I mean? You're not from here. That's fine too. And yeah, you, know, you don't want to see a lot of like the um, like we see like these Oregon heart uh, stickers. Where like, you know what I mean? You don't see a lot of that uh, pride in, like, at least where I'm from, in greater Philadelphia. You're like, I don't, like, I got to, like, I got to boast that I'm from here. Who gives a shit? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have a choice. In California. Never once did I have that in California, but I get it in Oregon a lot. I do. Yeah, I, I understand. It's, it's different. When I lived there for the first time in 2003, uh, the vibe was de- definitely different. I'm not trying to get all a hippie new age, but it was, it was definitely a different vibe. Now, the last time I was there in 2014, it's definitely changed a bit. You know what I mean? And uh, things are more expensive. There's been more influx of people, mostly from California and Idaho. But yeah, there's little, uh, there's a little flashback at like, uh, at, at like new, uh, new transplants for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Check us out on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment. We do monthly installments of this show. The next episode is going to be about Halloween. Uh, hopefully, we have some great stories for like our youth at Halloween and what it means to us now. And uh, Tony, thank you for doing this episode. My pleasure as always, sir. And the song that we mentioned earlier, which is probably going to be better than that. You know what? I don't hate the B-52s, but it didn't seem like like the right song to start it with, so let's try a little Led Zeppelin. All right. God, I didn't realize it was such a long intro to the song. All right, everyone, yeah, have you I... sit around. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have a good night. everybody to comics on infinite earth where we discuss major events in comic books and other random stuff i'm your host michael and this week avery is joining me how's it going avery it's going good man it's going good it couldn't be any better right now all right so we are going to discuss one of the most important early events in marvel history at least for my age group it's secret wars and secret wars 2 
And sadly, I didn't get to the new Secret Wars, which Avery asked me if I could get to. I just couldn't find it. <laughs> um, I, I, live, I, I live in the middle of nowhere. I guess I could have ordered it, but I just never got around to it. But um, for this series, it's strange knowing that it was significantly like tied to a toy line first, then the storyline came. Did you feel that through the first series? Are you, um, you know, honestly, I think that, I think that might've been like a little sketch, you know, like a, a, a little shady as far as Marvel goes, because, uh, normal, I, and I guess it would make sense during that time. Cause if you stop and think during that same time, we're looking at transformers and that was a really good show, but it was mostly just to promote the awesome toy line. So I think they were trying to ride on that train a little bit too. And they, I guess they got away with it. Because yeah. it's a it's a good it's a good story, uh, and it's definitely going to get you know if if you're you know if you're of that age or you have a little brother or something and you're reading this and it's like, hey, let's go out and buy these toys and we can do our own Secret Wars kind of thing, you know? Yeah, DC it's, Comics it's... tried to compete with them with superpowers and it was nowhere nearly as uh, uh, successful. Not in the slightest. Um, I don't even think like at the like at that time during the uh, during eighty four. Uh, that's when uh, the first Secret Wars came out. Uh, we're going to be looking at Marvel being like the powerhouse that it is now. Uh, beforehand, you it was pretty back and forth, and Marvel would peak and then DC would peak. But at that time, that was definitely Marvel's plateau right there. Like they it couldn't have been any better for anybody right there except if it was Marvel. <clears throat> yeah, DC Comics had suffered the major implosion, I think it was in 1979, which nearly bankrupted the company, and they had to cut back almost every single series they had going. So it was time for Marvel to swoop in. And not only were they conquering in comics, they, you know, they had uh, the TV shows coming out, uh, which were some of them were their own. They had uh, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends and the Incredible Hulk cartoon. Mm -hmm. But they also bought an animation studio, and that's why I think there's such significant ties with toy tie-ins, because they were doing the cartoon for G.I. Joe and Transformers. And I think this is the, a perfect opportunity to say, hey, these were successful. Let's get our own thing going here. You know, promote the toys, promote the series. And it's the first, like, I think besides maybe Contest of Champions, where all of the major heroes got together, which had really never been done before. Not, uh, I mean, I guess you could say that this is this has um, been done, but not on this scale, um, because um, the introduction when uh, at the time, like there was an X Men comic uh, beforehand, and when they introduced X Men, and it was just like, guys, we want more, we want more of these guys. It was about the same time during the eighties, and people thought to themselves, wow. This is awesome because you have so many heroes, uh, so many. It, it was just so many characters, and all of them was rich and full of stories. And there were, you know, you had complex characters with X Men comics, uh, especially during that time when they started getting diverse characters as well too. Uh, so I would I would say somebody was paying attention to that, saying, "Guys, these comics sold really well. Let's make this even bigger." <laughs> all right. Um, so with with the with the uh, toy line, with the uh, definitely with the populace, uh, and definitely with the popularity as well too, 
uh, Secret Wars, the original, uh, could not have come at a better time. Uh, that was definitely, and it, it was something else I want to note is at that time, uh, comics, they were like this mix of, of just action. It was a mix of comedy. It was a mix of just something. So here's a little note I made. I, I called it fun ridiculousness where you would have a fight sequence and then there in the next scene something totally silly is going on you know but it was it was funny you know um what is it in in secret wars the thing is playing patty cake with claw and i'm just like <laughs> what is this you know like we won't and i guess at that time we won't ever see any like at that time it was okay for you to have a super serious and then throw that in there. Like nowadays, if you get a comic and you saw that, you put the comic down. Like you know what you're getting into when you pick up a comic yeah. nowadays. You know, pick up a Deadpool comic, you expect it to be funny. If you pick up a, uh, if you pick up, uh, you know, uh, Iron Man comic, you expect it to be smart, uh, kind of dark, but you know, with a with a light, you know, overtone. Spider Man, you know, same thing. But, you know, you know what you're getting into by picking up these comics. But at the, at that time, with the 80s comics, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into when you pick them up. Yeah, and the funny thing is, um, on reflection, I thought this was the most amazing thing when I first read it. But I look on it back on it now, and it's like, wow, there sure is a lot of, like, endless, mind-numbing fights. I kind of like the stuff that's going on in the middle like when Doctor Doom is on his own. Doctor Doom kills me. He's my favorite character in this whole series because he's just like, uh, you know what? I'm gonna do my own thing. Screw you guys. And um, he, and, and, and just from the get go, what's that? Like I said, just from the get go. Like as soon as they get on the planet, it's just like I have no idea what's going on, but I'm Doctor Doom and I'm better than all y'all. Peace. <laughs> his, he's so full of himself. There is a very strange comedy found in his dialogue it's just like yeah that only he could say this and get away with it I, and and um uh, with and not only that with just like with the character claw himself that right there is pretty much the comic relief for that because you have this strange character uh that talks funny and he he gets dissected and he's okay with that <laughs> He's like, hey, let's do it. I like, I like this. This is fun. And he ends up, and, and not only that, he's actually a pivotal character in the story as well, too, which just does it left field. And like I said, only something that could happen in the comics at that time. Yeah, Only most, that time. Most of the heroes you still see today, the villains seem like, I haven't, a Molecule Man I haven't seen in forever, Magma. Uh, the Wrecking Crew isn't really used that much anymore. You definitely know it's of a certain era when these guys were heavily used and very popular. Yeah, it's it's it's. I guess at that time, uh, the villains were almost as diverse as the heroes were, and now we get. Uh, I wouldn't say stuck, but there isn't much variety um, because you would have, you know, you had Doom, you had Ultron, you had. Um, Molecule Man, which is like, like if Doc Ock at the time, you had uh, Dr. Connors and Lizard, you know, uh, at the time, these were just like insane, creative characters. And they were just as insane as as creative as the superheroes were. Nowadays, we just get like ultimate bad guy. And that's it. You know, 
no motivation. I'm just a bad guy. <laughs> and it's it's during a weird period with the Hulk where his brain was, you know, not like purely primal. He was starting to think, you know, they started combining Banner with him. You have, uh, I can't remember if it's in this series or not. Is this the one where Tony sits out? Uh, he's not yes. Iron Man in this one? Okay, I, I couldn't remember if I was confused. Yes, two this, series. this is definitely the one. Uh, with uh, Secret Wars, the original, uh, Rhodes was actually the one that was taken instead of Tony Stark. And a couple people knew, uh, you know, a couple people was like, you're kind of acting weird, Iron Man. You're not so, you know, you're, you're cool, but you're not the Iron Man we know. And I don't think anybody, like, actually addressed it, but it was addressed. Like, none of the characters said, oh, that's Rhodes. But you knew, like, just by reading it, oh, it's Rhodes in there. Yeah, when I first read Iron Man, it was Rhodey. It was not Tony Stark. So when I found out later, I was like, wait, why is this guy pretending to be Iron Man? And someone else was like, no, no, he was Iron Man first. I was like, but I like the other guy. One <laughs> <laughs> uh, thing what they, I do, like, a couple things that were thrown out there. Uh, we get... The introduction um, of Spider-Man when we finally get to see Venom. Like yeah. Venom is introduced, and it's so it's done in a Marvel type way, where it's something so quick, something so unnoticeable, but it's there, and it's not even going to be important until several stories later. Yeah. Uh, he gets that awesome black suit, and he's like, "Guys, look, like, this is awesome." <laughs> I wonder if they knew not, that it was going to be a problem later do you think they planned that so far ahead of time that it was eventually going to be like a leech sucking his will to live and controlling him and then eventually it become venom or was just like hey we have a toy line let's get him a new costume and then slowly it developed into venom i'm gonna say both i'm gonna say they had a plan but they didn't know what the plan was I'm going to say, like, it was purposely put in there, but it was just like they didn't bring it to fruition yet. You know, they, they weren't sure what they were going to do with it. They wouldn't put it in there, but they just don't know what the end result is going to be. And uh, that and Venom is, like, one of the best, like, things to come out of Secret Wars because a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think it was just some science experiment going wrong when it's actually this. It comes from this storyline. You know, a lot of things... Uh, get brought over from the storyline, which is awesome. Uh, it's just, I guess we would just say clever writing. Really clever writing. Here's the weird thing is I actually had a few of these toys, but I don't recall ever seeing Daredevil, not even for a moment in the comic, yet I had a Daredevil figure. I, what I would figure is, um, I guess they would try to get everybody in still. You know, even though, like, um, Here's what they did. So with the Secret Wars that came out, you know, in the 2000s, um, they had a lot of stories leading up to it, a lot of events leading up to it. Even though all the characters were in it, every single comic book in Marvel had something leading to it or a piece that goes to it. So I guess it's something like that where, you know, there might have been a mention in a Daredevil comic yeah. or something. And he said, hey, you know, hey, what, what happened here or what happened there? And Daredevil gets thrown in there one way or another, like with a butterfly effect type thing. So I guess if you want to include that, fine, let's go ahead and do it. But 
Probably just for the profit. <laughs> Probably. I even remember that being one of the rarest of rare when it came to the toys, but uh, at the time I didn't know it. I just traded it in for baseball cards. Look, I hate myself as much as you guys do right now at this moment. I sold all of my G.I. Joes and Secret Wars and He-Man for baseball cards because that's what the cool kids were doing. Clearly, the cool kids are all broke right now. <laughs> Where are your baseball cards at now? <laughs> uh, God, okay, so this is how it worked. Uh, toys... And comics, they traded in for baseball cards. And the baseball cards, they traded in for, I think, comic books again. I just, <laughs> it was a circular motion. Like, I just eventually came back to comic books after, like, a three-year gap. And <laughs> I remember, though, having, like, long, sweet, uh, like, these little mini drawers. You know, like the way they are with comics, filled with baseball uh -huh. cards. Some dude came to a garage sale, and he's like, I'll take all of them for $300. I'm like, yeah, you know what, go ahead, take them all. I don't care, just get them out of here. Do you, I don't even know why even people have baseball cards now. Do you realize you can go online and get these stats? Stop looking at the cards. Go buy comics. It's it, seriously. It's it, I don't. And, and for the people that's out there with baseball cards, I'm sorry, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Um, it. I guess it's just another thing to collect. Um, 90s kids. We we had Pokemon. We had Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, Pokemon was the first one. And I would get those, I would save those, I would trade those. I was really good at them. Uh, when Yu-Gi-Oh! came out, I was just like, eh, they're cards. I'll collect them just because I'll trade them for something. And it was, guess what? I took those Yu-Gi-Oh! cards, traded them for Nintendo 64 games, and then eventually got my first comic through some Yu-Gi-Oh! cards. <laughs> yeah, I was so, agreeing with I, I still hold on to the same <laughs> toys. You've had the same toys since you were 12? How did you even manage that? I got like crayons all over them and broken. And <laughs> I think I think I actually still got a couple of Pokemon cards in here, like two, maybe three Yu-Gi-Oh cards somewhere in here. Um, and they were like favorites and holographics and stuff that I figure, oh, they'll be worth something eventually. Probably not. <laughs> now with Secret Wars, the way it was done in the regular comics is that they would just disappear, and then the next issue they came back, and they'd have a little asterisk saying, "See what happened in this mini series or whatever." So for the most universe, it was literally like a day they were gone, where in their time, it was a very, very long chunk of time. I think the only two major ramifications that came from this was, A, the black costume, and the thing being stuck on that planet on purpose uh, for a very long chunk of his own series. He, ha he was actually really popular at that time, and he had a comic, I think it lasted about 45 issues, and for a stretch of it, he stayed on that planet, and it was like sword and sorcery. I will, uh, let's see, so not only that, but we also, at that time, uh, I think, I'm not sure how many people, but they were actually swapped out uh, with, um, what is it, I don't want to, yeah, is it the decree, or is it the scroll, I don't remember which one it is, but a couple characters got switched out, and it wasn't revealed until like years later, huh. uh, by the puppet master to say these aren't the people that they were before guys because uh, I know I know for a fact that um, the thing's girlfriend got switched out and I know a couple other people got switched out I just don't know like actual names um, but I know for a fact that the thing's girlfriend got switched out for an alien and nobody knew it until puppet master comes along and like um, guys get rid of these <laughs> they're not they're not who you think they are um and i don't even i don't even know what actually happened after after that um with secret wars i know that one pretty well secret wars 2 was pretty much with the beyonder 
coming to Earth and just being confused about actual human life. Like, you have to eat, you have to sleep, uh, go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's, I actually, it's I crazy. Found the second one is the first one I actually read. Um, I used to go to Kmart, and back in the day, Marvel used to package up their leftover issues that they didn't sell in the uh -huh. stores. They would package them up for like a buck. Four issues. That's how I got like the first issue, four issues of Transformers, you know, uh, Conan. And I would get the Secret Wars to the first four issues I got in a pack at Kmart. And I read this and I was absolutely fascinated by the Beyonder. Even today when I reread it, I find him more interesting than anything else in either Secret Wars series. I, with the Beyonder, I guess it's just like this thing of mystery with... Um, when we're looking at other superheroes, supervillains, we know their story. We know their backstory. They're not mysterious to us. We know their motives. Uh, and then you get this entity that we don't know if it's good. We don't know if it's bad. And he just took everybody and just told everybody to go fight. Okay. Obviously, he is more powerful than everybody that he zapped up um, to, to Battle World. And now it's just like you have this... It's almost a healthy, mysterious figure back there. You know, it's 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 healthy in the way that I'm saying, like it's it's not a it's not like a toxic relationship with the reader and not knowing who or what or why the Beyonder is. You know, um, which I th and that's the thing. It's just this. It's a perfect mysterious element. And between Secret Wars one, where they mention him a couple times and then you get uh doom to uh air quotes kill him and then the beyonder comes back it's like this was all part of my plan hmm. and then we get him back in the secret wars too to say i want to be more powerful now i'm just like this is crazy but it's we still don't know if the if the beyonder is a good character or a bad character though at the at the end of all of it you know it's just I, I guess I would compare him more like Doom with uh, if you are, if we're both working towards the same goal, we're allies. If we are working towards different goals, as long as you don't get in my way, I won't kill you. That's the way Doom works. <laughs> um, the Beyonder, maybe not so much. Like, I, I would say the Beyonder is a little bit more chaotic for the sake of chaos. <laughs> Well, he almost seems childlike. There's certain things that he does. He's very, very self-indulgent. But he also, uh -huh. in the right terms, can be a very pleasant, happy child, if you want to put it that way. Like, when he's interacting with Spider-Man, Spider-Man wishes him no ill will. There's no real fight or anything, so everything goes well. But if you look like how the X-Men treat him, or I think the Avengers even attack him, they attack him just based solely on who he is. But he doesn't mean to do any harm. He just wants to understand us as people, and it's after he starts, it's it's kind of a commentary on not only of us as people, but at that time, where it was during the Reagan height, where everybody was like, more, 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 more. You know, he, he would eat to the extreme, of course, like that scene where he was huge, and he would just make himself small again. Uh, he was mm -hmm. fascinated by gadgets, and money, and power, and he kept building. He wanted more and more, to the point where he became, you know, a megalomaniac. And at, then you think, well, maybe he is a villain. He doesn't think he's a villain, but he is seriously causing a problem. If And then that right there plays more on how human the Beyonder is. 
because he pretty much paved his own way to hell by just being just just by being human. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy because he just wanted to have fun. He just wanted to learn. He just wanted to do this. He just wanted something. You know, it, it's just I just want this. I just want this. I just want this. And he turns into, like you said, this megalomaniac. And it's not intentional, but it happened. You know, and it's just I guess, <laughs> and it, it, it just comes down to him simply becoming. You know, it was a human element to him right there, even though he is this cosmic entity he is still very human and like you said also kind of childish naive as well <clears throat> it's like a bizarro universe story of jesus like everything that you learned from that it's the exact opposite like if everything had gone horribly wrong and I can't, i'm trying to remember the end he's trying to go through some sort of process to make himself vulnerable but then realizes it's a huge mistake and tries to go back and that's what ends up causing his demise. He actually, uh, let's see. So he wanted to become human. And it's like he's, he, all right. So the way that Doom did it, where he was, where he was still the beyonder, but still had very human aspects. That's what he wanted at the end. Um, and Mephisto, who just, just, like uh, I want to say, like one of the trump cards in Marvel. Like we need an episode on just that. Um, he comes along and just says, "Nah, you know what? Not no, not here." And kills him. Just like, well, not nearly kills him, but destroys him. Uh, attempts to at, at least, but that's pretty much where we're left off with a Beyonder that's like, "I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. No more, please." Um, I guess it would almost be a tragic story more of anything else. And it would be tragic along the lines of not on a cosmic level, but as more like an inward as a human type thing. You know, that would be, that's the tragedy right there. We should learn from the Beyonders' mistakes and pay attention to what he's done and what he said. Yeah, I think the first one is just almost nonstop battles. There are fun moments. There are some great character <laughs> stuff, but it is mostly battles. It's the second one. The scope, the idea, is exactly what 80s comics needed. You started to see more sophisticated, complicated things start popping up around this time. So Secret Wars 2 seems to be the one storyline that people have completely forgotten about, like shuffled it away. But it is really a, a solid story that I, I say people should check out. With, so, like you said, with Secret Wars 1, there is non-stop battle. When they're in the ship, they fight. Like, the villains fight each other. Ultron loses his, you know, he just loses it, you know, a couple pages in. And they have to kill Ultron right then and there. There's a fight right there. They blow up each other's base more times than anything else. And they rebuild and fight again. And it's, you know, it's crazy. How much they fight in those, and it's like for what? And everybody fights Galactus. And here's here's another thing I want to throw out: um, the Beyonder. Did he like when we divide these people up? Because there were two ships. Uh, he put all the bad guys in one. He put all the good guys in one. And the weird thing is, he put Molecule Man with the villains, even though at that time technically I'm not a villain. And then he also put Magneto with the good guys, even though Magneto does not like any of these people. Um, and also Galactus. Galactus is 
Galactus and Doom, Molecule Man, and Magneto. All these guys went off and did their own thing. Did the Beyonder know they would do that? Yeah, I don't know if that was ever in the plan, or he just wanted to see how these pieces play with each other. It's, it's like an alien study, just seeing how we react to certain situations. It's, it's, it's almost, I guess, cosmic chess along the lines right there. Um, it's crazy. And um, it also breaks down to, like, even with the good guys, where you had the Avengers and you had X-Men, and the X-Men did not want anything to do with anybody. Spider-Man was there, even though Spider-Man has no alliance to anybody there, Spider-Man was purely there just to try to prove himself because um, he wants everybody to say, hey, guys, I'm not just that guy to go get you know some bum on the street. You know, I can actually fight. And Spider-Man really wanted to prove himself there. I don't think a lot of people see that, but that's what... That's almost what Spider-Man character is. Uh, we get this, you know, this kid almost, and he just wants to be on the same level of a hero as everybody else, Captain America, Iron Man, and everybody. So Spider-Man actually works with both sides. You know, he talks to X-Men, he talks to he talks to the Avengers, he talks to everybody else, and because he just wants to be there, he's just guys, I'm helpful. <laughs> Alright, so of the Let's, two, which do you prefer? 
the I would probably go with the original. Um, not not because honestly, because the original was one of the first ones I've ever read. It was actually a I was eating cereal, and the first issue actually came in a cereal box. No kidding. Because I, I think it was like the it was like the it was an anniversary or something for it, so they threw it in there, and I was just like, okay, cool, why not? And I didn't know anything about Marvel at the time, but when you see, you know, the good guys fighting the bad guys, and it's a bunch of them, it's just like I'm hyped. I have no idea what's going on, but I am hyped. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, um, and this kind of set a standard, though. Every single year after this would be some major event. Uh, both companies would do these major events with, you know, a huge chunk of the universe, and it hasn't stopped since. Absolutely not. Uh, the Secret Wars for uh, 2000 has actually just finished up not too long ago, uh, and they're doing a spinoff of it right now. Um, with the spinoff, you can actually see Doom outside of his suit. What? Um, yes. And with the, with the spinoff, um, it's less of the Beyonder element and more of Doom actually becoming, you know, this the permanent character that he was at the end of uh, at the end of the 1984 Secret Wars. Um, he was he's actually a more passive character, and I actually saved one of the snapshots of you know, Doom just standing there in, like, a really nice suit after everything that he's done. I'm not going to spoil what he's done because he's he, there were some very crazy things that happened in the new one. Um, and the way that it's looking, we might be looking at another Marvel uh, universe. Uh, they might be doing another rewrite on it again very oh. soon. The way, that, the way that Secret Wars finished, yeah. we're looking at a we're looking at a new reboot pretty soon for Marvel. Yeah, Marvel <laughs> isn't known for reboots whatsoever. DC is usually the one that says, well, it's been a year, let's do another one. Whereas Marvel, <laughs> I think, is this the first major reboot of the universe for Marvel? This, this, I think this will actually be their second, I believe. I think this would be actually be like their second one because with the newer ones, like after Civil War, because uh, Civil War actually ushered in the, their new wave of comics where they were like this darker, grittier, and these are like the same things that we're getting to see projected in uh, the movies nowadays as well, too. Um, that ushered in Marvel's like newer wave. We're still uh, following the trend of like what they were putting out in the late 90s, early 2000s, but uh, we might be looking at another, like, another reboot. And if it's going to be Marvel, it might be pretty good. And I will definitely be keeping my ear to the street for that one. All right, so I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for joining us. Check us out on Retro Rocket Entertainment for more episodes of comics from an... Wait, what the hell is the name of the show? I forgot for a second. My brain went on vacation. <laughs> comics on Infinite Earths. I almost said comics from my basement. I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> I forget that just happened, people. Uh, Avery, thank you for joining me on this episode. <laughs> and, Not a um, problem. How, I, how do I awkwardly walk my way out of this ending? <laughs> um, uh, good night, everyone. Just turn I guess, it off. <laughs> yeah, I guess I just just shut it off. Just turn it off right now. I'll, I'll just keep talking if you want to keep listening. But all right, that's it. I'm gonna shut up now. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>